Talk Live. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. Just dial in via the toll-free number at 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 800-259-9231. You can join us online at freetalklive.com, and we give you the features on the site for free. So enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Joining you tonight, it's Ian. And Wayne. And Mark. And again, freetalklive.com, the place to go. The phone number 800 259 9231. So, to start things out here tonight, uh, there is a really, really lengthy story that we have uh, about a family's experience with being charged with child pornography. And it's just so sad. I I do want to share it. And uh, if we get a chance, we'll get to it. But of course, your calls come first. So, to the phones and the fun, Paul is calling. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Paul. Hey, guys. Hey, I want to talk about the age of consent, if that's all right. By all means. So first, I've heard you guys a few times talk about, I mean, a long time ago, you know, thousands of years ago, they think that people, well, the average lifespan was 35, right? Yes. I think so. Mm-hmm. So, but the problem with that is that the average, the, uh, one of the reasons for that is that people died at, you know, during giving childbirth and childhood diseases and stuff like that. Like, like if two people are born the same day and one dies, at birth, and one lives to be 70, average lifespan is 35. Do you really think the primitive man made it to 70? Yeah. I think the reason for it was because there was bad sanitation and other factors that we've managed to clean yeah, up today. Dental care. Uh, yeah, but there yeah. was an infant mortality, too, was high. Right. Yeah, that's yeah, what he's pointing that's, out. That's, infant. that's the fixed average I lifespan. I think it was the so, average adult lifespan. Right. I'm not claiming that the average lifespan was 35. I'm claiming, I'm claiming um, that I think that the... The, the basically the maximum age that the you know the, the human made it in the wild as opposed to our sort of domesticated selves now was yeah. about 35. I, I'm not an expert on these sorts of things, but I, I'm pretty sure the average lifespan includes the people that actually had a life, not the people that were just starting out as infants, you know, infant death. I don't believe infant death is well, I, they, they don't have average life uh, spans for, you know, time frames like that. They're, they're just making guesses as to what somebody would have uh, made it. Right. A Squirrel lives two or three years in the wild, but will live 20 years in captivity. Mm. Well, I've been to some old cemeteries because some, there's a lot of them up here in New England. If you walk through them, there were some people even back I'm not talking about in the 1800s 16th, I, yeah, who lived to 85 about, years old. I'm not talking about the 17th century. I'm talking about the 17th century BC. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm talking about that even even farther back than that, farther back than when the Bible was written and things like that. You're talking about agrarian societies. I'm talking about hunter gatherers living in the the woods. Um, some of them may have found shelter in caves, things like that. Mm-hmm. I don't. I still think the, the average, like the potential lifespan, is about the same. It's always has been. It's just that, that, like you said, the childhood diseases, the sanitation, that kind of stuff. Have you made like it to war, 35? I'm sure people a lot more dieted to you know wild animals and just killing each other off. Have you made it to, to uh, right? They, they, the potential age was probably the same. I just have you made it to thirty five yet? Uh, thirty two, almost. Things begin to fall apart here really shortly, <laughs> and um, <laughs> suddenly, uh, you know, things don't heal nearly as quickly as they used to heal. You, uh, I mean, you know, the muscle pains that you have they last a lot longer. You're just right, suddenly right, right. moving into a, a stage of life where where you're you're just not young anymore. And uh, you know, I do I don't think that that beast that uh, that primate that was uh, Homo sapiens could survive out in the wild in that condition. Why would the others support them at that point? Okay, I can agree with that. It's just that sometimes I've heard you guys say that, you know, the average lifespan is 35, so you're old and great at 35. I, just, I completely disagree with that. You, no, you mean just, today? Uh, no, a long time ago. 
I don't think it, that was suggested. I don't think it was suggested that you were old and gray, just that that's when you died. Right. You, I okay. mean, but for uh, other reasons. Sense. You know, nowadays, though, we have, even though we, we, we have, um, we're more protected in some ways, we're also under a, a, other types of assaults that the human body's never seen before. For example, before World War II, most of what we handled and ate from and drank from was, was metal, uh, glass, or wood. And then with, with the advent of plastics, uh, the introduction of a lot of plastics into our life has also affected us in, in ways that we never really anticipated. So uh, there are dangers today, but they're different. And, and I think that our lifespan could go well over 100 if we could get deal with some of the things we're dealing with today. Yeah, the second thing I want to touch on, if you don't mind, is the age of consent. Like, how sure. old is someone an adult? I think it's pretty consistent. I think it's a lot of people that want to protect the children, you know, the 14, 15, 16-year-olds from doing any, having any sort of responsibility for their actions. That they're in sense they're treating like treating them like children, and so they act like children. They never ever grow up. I one hundred percent agree with that. It's uh, the childification of America, and I don't know who came up with that term, but I think it's pretty cute. Um, but yeah, where basically adults don't consider young people to be adults until their mid twenties. And I think you're absolutely right. If you don't allow teenagers to have responsibilities, and as a result, they never actually become real people uh, with real adults. Real that's, adults. Yeah. That's yeah. what he's saying. If you don't allow teenagers to have responsibilities early on, then they then they're just going to be shiftless losers, and they're going to steal crap, and they're going to break stuff, and they're, uh, they're not going to grow up uh, until you allow them to grow up, until you treat them like a grown-up. Uh, and, and people, a lot of people in this country don't, and I think it's, um, mm-hmm. it's tragic because it's, I think that's really a lot of uh, brain power going to waste. You know, when teenagers just hanging out, hanging out at the mall, uh, you know, dicking around, uh, they could be working, they could be being entrepreneurs, uh, they could be, you know, furthering a, a career, they could be furthering a, a skill, uh, but because people don't believe that kids can do those things or that they should do those things, you should be out playing, you're 15 years old. Oh, no. What if what if he's got a great idea that he wants to take? There was I remember the story, Mark. We had a story about a young entrepreneur who was at like age eight or seven, going around shining shoes and doing all kinds of things that uh, that I don't remember. He just kind of lived in an urban neighborhood and was coming up with ways to uh, create wealth for his uh, his surrounding community. And the guy was a millionaire by like age thirteen or something like but, that. But look look at the heroes we have today for kids. I mean, there's sports figures, there uh, pop pop yeah, icons. pop culture type people. Uh, years ago, it, w- it was the it was the the successful business leader in town. It was uh, the champions of industry. You know, it, it wasn't these these people who were just um, empty suits in many cases. Politicians, for example, look at all the young people who glorify politicians and in Dancing with the Stars and all these shows on TV, and they're very distracted. I, I mean, I've worked with a lot of young kids, and they're very energetic, very creative. But mm-hmm. it, but what really matters is is how they direct that energy. Or, or maybe sometimes they choose not to direct it because they're so bored. Yeah. Any other thoughts you want to share? No, I, that's, that's just it. Thanks. Thanks, Paul. I appreciate your call tonight at 800-259-9231. Again, that number brought to you by SACL CAI. So I think one of the solutions to ending this childification of America is to uh, end the minimum working age. I think that's a big 
big hurt. I mean, Mark, you, you've told us before that you started working at 12 illegally, of course, mm-hmm. right. uh, at a comic book store, and it was one of the best things that could have happened to you. Right. You know, I mean, I didn't get paid cash because essentially that was uh, difficult to do at the time, but I had set hours. I had uh, three hours a day, I think Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, because my mom didn't want me going there too often and uh, making wearing out my welcome, essentially. Uh, mm-hmm. the, I don't think she understood completely that I was working, and I probably wasn't working really hard. You understand? I mean, I was, I was filing some comic books in alphabet order yeah. or I was running errands. I, I, I wasn't worth much, but I was getting $3 an hour in, in a time when th- I think $3.35 an hour was minimum wage, but I was getting $3 an hour in comic, in comic books, books, which means that they were, if they paid 50 cents on the dollar for comic books, and I doubt they did, um, I was getting, yeah. you know, they were paying me $1.50 or a dollar an hour or something like that. But and it was I, good enough for you. I was happy with that, and it it, it instilled in me sort of values. I, I remember plenty of life, life lessons I learned while making Three dollars an hour in comic books from Mark, twelve to being, fifteen. You're being taken <laughs> advantage of. I don't feel like I. I was happy to get those comic books. Yeah, but that's just because you didn't know what kind of a raw deal you were getting. What kind of raw <laughs> deal was I getting? Well, you should have been getting minimum wage. Well, um, but I wasn't worth minimum wage. Uh, one time I was over. I decided to go over to my friend's house rather than going to work, and I didn't call them and tell them. And I decided to call in and make a joke, sort of a practical joke. Remember. I'm 12 years old or 13 years old. A practical joke and saying, yeah, I'm in the hospital. I'm calling you from the hospital. And I thought it was very funny, but it wasn't because these people cared about me and worried about me. And, and you know, like it, it was a joke that really fell on its face. And, yeah. and one can understand why that would be with a 12 year old. Right. right. Um, and, you know, I, I think I, I, I recall from that lesson how important that I felt that it was to be on time and let people know where you're going to be if you're not going to be someplace. Mm. So, I mean, think of what. That lesson, that that lesson itself is is invaluable. And to learn a lesson, your parents like that, can't teach you that lesson, right? And to learn a lesson like that at twelve instead of seventeen or twenty-two, mm-hmm. uh, far more important. One 9231 You're welcome to share your thoughts on the issue of keeping young people as childlike as possible. It's Free Talk Live. Hey everybody, Scott Horton here for FreedomCam.net. From coast to coast, the increasingly militarized American police state has grown out of control. Peace officers have become law enforcement. The old doctrines of minimal force have fallen by the wayside. Cops are now trained to use overwhelming force in virtually every situation, resulting in an epidemic of police brutality across our society. I say fight back while you still can. Film the cops and put it on YouTube. A critical mass of police brutality videos is being assembled online, and a change is going to come. Police perjury is no match for instant replay. FreedomCam.net offers discreet video cameras to help you avoid confiscation while checking power and protecting yourself. FreedomCam.net This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves by dialing in toll-free. 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. And all the features on the site are completely free. And they include our Shrine of Female listeners, the dozens of ladies who've taken the time to send us their validated photo or video showing they are indeed listeners of this program. Head over to shrine.freetalklive.com to see what that's about. And lady listeners, you can get the details on becoming a part of the Shrine at shrine.freetalklive.com. 
SACLCAI.com. Free Talk Live brought to you by SACL CAI. You need some collections work done? You need to talk to Jason Osborne and the crew over at SACL CAI. They collect with respect because they know that not only do you want to collect your money, but you want to keep your clients too. They do collections, early out billing, and purchase charged off receivables. Visit them online. You can click through their banner right at the top of our website at freetalklive.com. That's SACL CAI. As we continue here, taking your phone calls uh, about whatever you want. David is in New Hampshire. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, David. Hi. Um, I was just going to um, continue on with the subject of of kids being treated like kids. Sure. Are adults. Well, right. I think and, it's, um, it's young adults that are being treated like kids, and it keeps them childlike for as long as possible. And I think that's incredibly detrimental to their personal growth and also to uh, to society as a whole. Well, I was going to refer to a, a radio show that was on this on the station, which I'm not sure what the name of the station. Your you guys' station is there a name? I think you're talking about. I think you're listening to uh, the micro station in the area, which is yeah, yeah. LRN FM. Oh, LRN FM. Mm-hmm. Okay, and they were just talking about there was a, a girl on, and she was talking about oh, this baby that was being treated like. Uh, just really silly, and um, as a small, you know, I don't know, it's just really silly, and um, it had to do with that. But it, but she was also dropping the f bomb like a lot. Where was that? Right on the radio. <laughs> yeah. And so I don't know. I just um, I don't know. I kind of enjoyed that actually. You enjoyed the dropping of the f bomb. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. It's kind of like sticks it to the man type of thing. I don't know. I just enjoyed it. I'm not saying everybody should do it, but it was fun. You know when you hear somebody (laughs) dropping the F-bomb right and left, you aren't listening to an FCC-licensed radio station. So uh, another reason to appreciate this radio station, and it was good, and it was very intelligent conversation, as always. So what do you think about the issue of young people, though, uh, being, being treated like children? Well, that doesn't sound very um, conducive to uh, a uh, a productive life for the young person. I would say. I think you're right. Did you did you notice that when you were growing up at all? Um, you know, for instance, you can't watch a movie until you're 17 or R-rated movie until you're 17. You can't uh, get a job until you're 16 in most places. You can't. You know, there's this whole list of no-nos. This whole list of things that uh, that you can't do that keeps young people frustrated um, because I was uh, with a a 20-year-old the other night and she was uh, concerned about you know, that she wasn't 21, she couldn't go into these clubs. And of course, you know, it's ludicrous. It's not like she's not able to drink. It's not like she hasn't had drinks. It's just that because they've set some sort of arbitrary age, uh, she's being treated like a child. And it's it's just insulting. Yeah, and it's, I don't know, it's it it doesn't well people could adjust better if they were i would think they'd be more well adjusted if that wasn't the case i would they agree with you on that one david you know, any other thoughts you want to share tonight lot. um no i don't think so thanks but, for listening. Uh, thanks a lot yep thanks for the call 800-259-9231 you can take control of uh, the airwaves i mean wayne you're here tonight as uh, the dad of kids that are older than two mark's got a two-year-old son mm-hmm. so it's okay to treat him like a, a kid how old are your uh 14 and 11. 
So, fourteen-year-old is definitely in the the range of uh, the age range of somebody who I think should start being treated like an He's adult. He's the size of a man. Uh, and I, I remember, <laughs> I remember when I was growing up. Like uh, when I was growing up, when my parents would take me to a, a restaurant or something like that, I would want to order off the adults menu. At a certain <laughs> point, I wanted to order off the adults menu because I wanted to be thought spend of spend more of your parents' money. I wanted to be thought of as adult-like. But that's kind sure, of what yes. I'm talking about here. No, no, you're did not that enter your mind? By the way. When you wanted to order off the adult menu, that it would cost more? No. I can't imagine. Don't, well, I started looking at menu prices at some point in my life because mm. I'm fairly frugal, but uh, no, I, don't, I don't... Were you frugal back then, recall. too? I don't recall. Okay. Uh, it's, it's too long ago for me to answer that question, but I'm just wondering how you've handled the issue of uh, your kids getting older and, and the responsibilities that they have and your thoughts on this conversation. My kids have chores they have to do around the house, you know. Um, I'd like them to make their beds, so they don't always do it, but... I like to do that. My son mows the lawn. My daughter has certain things she has to do, and that's a start. And uh, my son volunteered. He did. We got him a waiver for, through the state of New Hampshire to work at one of the ski areas last winter mm. as a volunteer instructor because he's a good snowboarder. And he got a nice letter back from the from the head of the uh, ski area, which he can use later on for, yeah, as a for, reference for a reference. And he got a, he got a uh, season pass, and and so they compensated him not much, but they compensated him in certain ways. Had a lot of fun. That's great. Yeah, it is. He's he's a really good kid anyway. But he you know he right now he's into sports. But even playing sports, not getting paid, you know, he has to work to to um, uh, you know excel. So I think it is instilling a worth work ethic in him. Um, and my daughter too. You know, she's she's worked hard for what she's accomplished in sports. But at some point, I think that you have to stop coddling kids and you have to really teach them responsibility at this age because then by the time they're 18, because, you know, 50 years ago, people would get out of college at 17 or 18 and get married and get a job and start having kids because they they grew up earlier. Yeah, there's no reason why a 17 or 18-year-old can't be incredibly highly skilled uh, out there uh, in the marketplace offering products and services should that be the, the direction they would like to go. And the only reason why it's not happening more often is because they're, you know, they're hobbled by yeah. these regulations. And the education system, too, because the education system wants to keep them in there and just eight keep, hours a day, keep them yeah. just keep spoon feeding them all this nonsense and, and babying them. And and they never grow up, and that's why you have all these these uh, what they call boomerang kids who at thirty years old still live with mom and dad. You know, if if you think if, if these ideas fly in the face of what um, what you believe, what's really ask yourself what's really the difference between an eighteen year old and a twenty two year old in today's society? Just think of the average one, and I don't see that there's much a difference other than the twenty two year old can legally go out and get crunk, whereas the eighteen year old has to illegally go get crunk. Yeah, and that to to me, I that's all the only difference I sort of. See from this, you know, outside looking in, not the ones that I know necessarily, but you know, it's it, the the idea that eighteen year olds can't handle what twenty two year olds can handle. I just think is it's ludicrous. It doesn't make any sense to me. And then you have to ask yourself, well, what's the difference between a fifteen year old and an eighteen year old? And Less, at what age well, is a person experience. able to handle a job? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I definitely could have handled working early on. I, in fact, I know I could because I did. Uh, like you, Mark, I also worked before it was legal. Well, I guess it was legal for me to do it in the way I was because I was helping my parents. They, uh, my mom ran a thrift store, runs a thrift store in uh, Sarasota, Florida, and that's kind of where I, you know, cut my teeth in the world of retail. I learned how to run a cash register mm-hmm. and you know deal with customers and uh, smile and mm-hmm. you know do kind of the basic retail stuff. And then, you know, when I got to uh, work at Kmart when I was 16, it, 
it was old hat to me mm-hmm. at that point. You were well trained. Yeah. So 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. I think I've been working for my mom since, you know, early on, teaching me different things, but certainly more so 10, 11, 12, that kind of thing. We're coming up. You tell your story if you'd like. It's Free Talk Live. Bring up anything. Have you been thinking about starting a website? I'm going to tell you about a great offer from HostGator. HostGator is a worldwide leader for web hosting, and they make it easy to get your own .com domain name. You create your very own website with their free site builder tools and templates. Use the coupon code FTL, that's FTL is in Free Talk Live, and sign up at HostGator.com to receive your first month completely free. Whether you want a personal blog or a complete e-commerce business website, let the experts at HostGator.com host you. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. Just dial in via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. And we invite you to our website at freetalklive.com. The main feature of the site allows you to influence some of the things we'll talk about on the air. You go there, and then if you find something on the, the web that you like, maybe a video or blog post or news item, you put it into our website via our submission form. It pops up in the upcoming stories queue. And then other listeners can look at those different items. They can vote on them. You can vote, too, on what you like and what you dislike. And the most liked of the items will make it to the front page and the top of our website, meaning we are more likely to see them and talk about them on the air. So it's a great way to get your content out to our listeners and also see other stuff that you might find interesting, presuming you might have a similar mindset to some of our other listeners, over at freetalklive.com. Join more than half a million people who've trusted LegalZoom.com for their common legal documents. You can incorporate your business, create a will or a living trust, even register a trademark. They're empowering you and protecting you with common legal documents that people trust at LegalZoom.com. It's, uh, if you use coupon code FTL, you can save $10 on your order over at LegalZoom.com. You know, I don't like any of these, uh, these legal documents. You should be able to write these up on your own. But uh, the fact is we all know what kind of world we live in and... The courts may not uh, rep, uh, may not recognize your will that was scrawled out on a, a paper napkin. So go to LegalZoom.com and get these uh, common legal documents taken care of. Use coupon code FTL. All right, 800-259-9231. Continuing with your phone call. Shooter is on the line in California. Shooter, you're on Free Talk Live, the in Wayne and Mark. Shooter in I'm California. Hey, Shooter, what's long time mind? no see. What's up? I'm um, just hearing a little feedback, and uh, I got my headset on. But anyway, uh, I want to put you guys in my shoes uh, for your your common sense opinion. Um, I've been living in a on the fourth floor in a gated community for the past 15 or so years, feeling very safe. And um, my girlfriend of 10 years and myself were moving into our first house, and it's of course it's on the ground. There's no gate, and um, and it's also been broken into a couple times while the property's been vacant. Uh-oh. Which, accord, which, according to our realtor, it's a common thing. Kids come in to vacant houses and party, and that's... That is that's true. So, abandoned buildings anyway. sure do seem to have a lot more broken windows and such than unabandoned. Uh, unabandoned. Yeah, I'd like, to, I'd like to speak to that right now since we've take, taken a breakthrough real quick. I, I lived uh, in, sort of Sarasota, in Sarasota for, in this one house for three or four years. I don't think, I'd never locked the door. Um, because I just, you know, I, I, I had no reason to lock the door, in my opinion. There was nothing to steal in the house of any real value. You know, come in and take my TV, go ahead. Um, you know, so I never locked the door. However, I left it in order to, you know, sort of get it ready for renters or sell it or whatever it was doing at the time. And within a week 
of it being vacant, somebody had gone in and there was nothing left except a cat bed that was attached to the wall. If you can imagine such a thing, Senior liked to to go up high, so you know he'd he'd climb up on stuff to get to this cat bed that mm. was uh, you know up about seven feet on the the ceiling. They ripped the cat bed out of the wall and took it. Um, <laughs> I mean that that was the only thing in the whole house, and um, so yes, uh, they, they had ample opportunity to come and break into the house for years and years and never did it, but um, they actually you know went in the house and took the cat bed out. Sure. Do you have a dog? No, I have a cat. Well, a cat's not going to help you there, but an alarm system and a dog would probably help. Right. Well, we want to get a dog, but we want to make sure that this is the house we want to live in because we're renting. Mm-hmm. And if we if we get a dog right away and then have to move out of there, yeah, that can be bad. Tough, it's a tough area to. We don't want to have to get rid of a dog because mm-hmm. having a dog's is a big uh, big perk here in Los Angeles. You know. Gotcha. Um, for for renting property anyway. Um, I wanted to know um, what I don't want to do is go out and like buy a shotgun and give it to my girlfriend and be like, hey, if anyone comes through the door that you don't like, just open up on them. You know, that's what I don't want to do. So I wanted to call about um, firearm alternatives or just any opinions in general, like the dog comment. You know, I've I've had to deal with the same situation. I've, uh, you know, my uh, my, my wife is not interested in, in handguns. I'm not legally allowed to own a firearm at all. And um, crossbow. You could have a. I could have a crossbow. I believe, <laughs> depending depending on the state and and whatever. I don't know. But um, I flame thrower. On, here on Free Talk Live, we advocate this little <laughs> device called the Tiger Light. It. It, it has the stopping power of a handgun in short range. Um, a, a, you know, a woman's not going to be scared to use it. She can carry it around with her without looking strange. Like she's imagine walking around with a handgun in your hand. That looks strange. Walking around with a tiger light, which is a flashlight with an integrated uh, pepper spray, and it doesn't look strange. Um, and believe me, I've I've accidentally shot myself in the eye with this stuff. Somebody who gets this in the um, full on in the face is not going anywhere until the the cops will will be there long before they're able to get off the ground. Um, she'll be comfortable with it, and there's far less likelihood of something terrible happening. The statistics of somebody of people shooting themselves accidentally with gu- guns—they're real. You know, I think I think all those things are good. I think the more different uh, choices you have to defend yourself in your house, the better. If you're going to go with the firearm route, don't get anything too big and crazy. You know, even a 22 pistol or a nine millimeter would be fine. But get training, and so you feel confident. So that you could pick it up in the dark and, yeah. and, and cock it and, and be able to use it with it, confidence. Because you see people who buy a gun, they put it in the closet with a, with a box of bullets, and then somebody breaks in, they don't know what, don't to, know what do. to do. Right, right. The, the worst thing nearby. Can, right. One of the worst things you could do is to just hand a gun to someone who's never fired one before. And, Go to the range, and, and right. it's actually a lot of fun firing at the range too. Uh, I agree. I've handled guns when I was younger, but I really don't want to. I don't have enough time, and I don't really don't want to get into the learning curve of. Guns. I'm telling you, Tiger Light. Go check it at tiger.freetalklive.com. I I, I get to just defend guns for a moment, and I'm I'm not a huge fan. I'm not like a gun nut or anything like that. But uh, I don't think there's much of a learning curve for a gun. No. I mean, there's some real basic rules that you need to get down, safety rules that are critical that you need to learn. Do you have kids, shooter? No, no. Okay. Mm-hmm. So there's some critical safety rules that you have to learn, and certainly you'd have to teach your kids if they were out uh, at the range as well. Um, and uh, beyond that, guns are pretty simple. I mean, you know, there's some safety measures on different guns, and they're in different places, and you should learn about those. And, you know, otherwise, uh, you know, don't point it at somebody. <laughs> and the other thing is, right. if you want to make it real simple, get a revolver. You know, you can get a nice thirty-eight uh, five-shot revolver. That's plenty to, to defend yourself if somebody breaks in, in the middle of the night. 
And I'm sure there are different right. gun-owning organizations out there that offer basic level classes. I mean, there's some other basic safety stuff like, you know, don't put your thumb behind the slide. as That way when the gun fires, you Good advice. snap your thumb off. Yeah, uh, that's stuff you, like that. Yeah, if you have an automatic pistol. But like well, I said, semi-automatic. You, yeah. Yeah. But well, but, if you, but if you want something simple, a revolver is a perfectly good gun, and you can you can uh, you can get a shot off quickly if somebody comes in. Just know where it is and know how to get to it quickly, and and take safety precautions. But it, see, if you go to a range and you and you shoot guns, you don't. It doesn't take you very long to feel comfortable shooting it, and you can see that you hit the target and you know how to handle it. You you know you can play with it in your living room with no bullets in it and and get familiar with it, so that if anything anything happens and let's say it's dark, it's four o'clock in the morning, somebody breaks in. That you know where the gun is, you know how to get to it quickly, and you can get a shot off if you have to. But the the number one rule is always identify your target because it might be somebody you know. You just don't want to shoot the wrong person. Hey, right. thanks for well, the call tonight, Shooter. I appreciate it hearing from you. Good luck out there with your decision at 800-259-9231. Mark, I know you're pushing the uh, the Tiger Light, and it's, just, it's a good product. I just wonder, is it appropriate for home defense? Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, you're going to spray, be spraying pepper spray in your house, but yeah. it dissipates. The, 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 the reason, when you get this cone that comes out of it, mm-hmm. that's the person who gets uh, hurt. Yes, you're going to want to air the house out after you use it, but don't forget, when you discharge a firearm in your home, it puts holes in the wall. Okay, sure, sure. so um, the and and there's smoke that's discharged and things like that. So yes, of uh, reusing uh, the tiger light on the in, in the indoors, not the not the uh, the greatest thing in the world. I but neither talking, is using a firearm. Yeah, I wasn't talking about the scent or anything like that or the aftermath. I meant as far as you know, if you're in a parking lot getting to your car, then the tiger light lets you get in your car and get the heck out of there. Uh, but if you're in your home, then you know you. You haven't necessarily well, even if, disabled the person. Okay, completely. well, you, you you do disable the person because they they essentially can do nothing at that mm-hmm. point, and then you can hold them hold mm-hmm. something on them. So if you have the if you happen to have the gun at the least, because the gun isn't going to be out where you can use it unless it's just sitting on a, uh, the nightstand near the door, the front door. Mm-hmm. Whereas the tiger light can be, um, you can hold the gun on them that you've gone and gotten from the closet and put a couple of bullets in. Mm-hmm. You could hold a kitchen knife on them because believe me, they can't do anything at this point. Um, uh, you know, if you'd say, "Hey, look, you get—I'm holding a kitchen knife." They may, you wouldn't, wouldn't even have to have it. See it. They wouldn't even right. know. They can't open their eyes. All right, there's more coming <laughs> up here. 800-259-9231, The Sakel CAI toll free line. Mark, you said you can go to tiger.freetalklive.com for that to learn more. More on the way. Your calls about anything. Free Talk Live. This Your Family Today tip is brought to you by Boost Kid Essentials, the nutritionally complete drink with 25 essential vitamins and minerals and probiotics to help support your child's healthy growth. Visit us at kidessentials.com. Calling certain foods bad or good doesn't go very far in helping kids understand about balanced diets. Discuss the powers of foods. Carrots are good for your eyes. Fish keeps your heart strong. And how they work together to help kids grow, and they'll remember it even better. For more tips like these, visit us at parenthood.com slash yourfamilytoday. Free Talk Live, you are invited to take control of the airwaves. Bring up whatever's on your mind at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. And there is a way that you can support the show because you know we give you the website features for free. You didn't know that? Well, go and visit. You'll find out. But uh, you can also voluntarily support us by becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for as little as 3 bucks a month. And the idea is AMP stands for Advertise, Market, and Promote. And the purpose is we take your 3 bucks a month in, reinvest it into the show, get on more radio stations around the country, bring more Internet listeners on board, and expose new people to the ideas of freedom. 
And one of the ways we do that, I mean, we do regular industry advertising and uh, things like Talkers Magazine, which is the industry publication of, uh, of note uh, for t- the talk radio business. We also do some internet advertising. And sometimes we have the uh, unique, uh, we have some unique one-time opportunities that present themselves. We did the Ladies of Liberty Alliance calendar last year. I don't know if they're going to do another one this year. I hope so. I have not been approached for that. But I was approached by the good guys uh, from Liberty on Tour, Adam and Pete. Uh, they're putting together they are putting together new advertising packages for Marv, the Mobile Authority Resistance Vehicle, which is their RV that they uh, they're going to be driving around the country for 13 weeks, visiting 13 different cities and meeting up with all kinds of liberty-minded people along the way. It's going to be a lot of fun, and we're going to be we're going to enjoy having them check in from time to time throughout their journey uh, to update us on what's going on. Right now, uh, Marv is parked in the studio uh, parking lot. And uh, it looks awesome. They went today to get look great. some graphics added to Marv, and they've got all kinds of uh, folks that have sponsored Marv. They're almost done with it. They're like 90%. There's a few more graphics that are going to go on there, but they took some pictures of it, and you can see it up on the Liberty On Tour uh, Facebook page. I don't know if they've added it to their website. I can check that here uh, in a moment. But uh, over at, li- at uh, the Liberty On Tour Facebook page, you can see... Where some of your ant money is going to. We've got uh, the LRN.FM, Liberty Radio Network uh, advertisement there. Uh, that way we can promote a bunch of different shows, liberty-oriented shows. There's the Free Talk Live uh, advertisement. And, of course, we also got Free Keen on there, but that was separate from AMP, obviously. But uh, nonetheless, so oh, CD Evolution is also on there as well. And so we just it's going to be fantastic having them drive this uh, essentially mobile billboard around for Free Talk Live and the Liberty Radio Network and... Of course, Ernie Hancock uh, outdid me. He spent more than I did, and so his Freedoms Phoenix uh, ads look a little bit larger. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, Ernie's uh, yeah. he's been added a little longer, has more access to uh, to funds, but nonetheless, I think I spent uh, about fifteen hundred bucks sponsoring uh, Marv. So trying to put the money back into the movement as well. So it's not just doing industry sponsorships. Because uh, we do that. I mean, we do the industry advertising. So it's not, but it's not just that. It's also uh, advertising with people in the business, doing uh, or not the business, but with people in the, uh, the, the, the liberty movement, if you will. So I think that's important too. So it's important to reach out to people within the movement and outside the movement. So go to amp.freetalklive.com. You can get behind promoting Free Talk Live and the Liberty Radio Network and get uh, more people's ears on some great programming that can help them grasp the message of freedom, maybe a little sooner than they might otherwise. Again, amp.freetalklive.com, and you get perks like the amp-only call-in lines, chat room, uh, the, excuse me, the amp-only forum, rather, uh, and the amp-only commercial-free podcast. Speaking of the amp-only call-in lines, Brian is there in New Hampshire. You're on Free Talk Live. Brian? Brian in New Hampshire, going once. Come on, Brian in New Hampshire. Where are you? Brian in New Hampshire, going twice. Call back. I'll check back with him later. Let's try Dave in Montana instead. Dave, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian Wayne and Mark. Howdy, dudes. Hey, what's hey, up? Uh, I would like to comment on that uh, age dis- discrimination topic you were talking about. Sure. Go for uh, it. I think the most egregious uh, example of that in our country is that we send 18-year-olds to go fight war. They could mm. go there for two years, kill plenty of people, win the Medal of Honor, come home, and some little punk bartender is going to tell them they're too young to have a beer. Yep. That's what kind of, certainly what one kind of, of country does that to its men? It's a real that's, that's insult. That's like the biggest slap in the face a country could give its fighting men or, you know, its, its young men 
I mean, I don't think anybody should be going out and dying for a government, but nonetheless, I agree completely with what you're saying. It's a real insult to the uh, right. The, it's the, the government that makes the rules, and the government says that you're old enough to uh, catch hard bullets with your soft body, but it you're not old enough to, you know, drink a beer. Government, it just shows that the government uh, thinks nothing of you and that you're, you're a piece of garbage and they could do whatever and tell you whatever they want. And you're an expendable take asset. Advantage. Right. They're going to take advantage of the young because they could brainwash them easier or something. Absolutely well, we correct. Had, we had a very prominent Secretary of State back in the 70s who basically was quoted as saying that the military men were, were stupid animals to be used for foreign policy. So that's really what they think. And as you know, Dave... Back in the 70s, you in most states, the drinking age was 18 because of the Vietnam War. That's exactly the argument they made. And they got the drinking age reduced to 18. And then they, they, they it went back up again in the early 80s. 19. But, uh, that, every year it changed. Yes. I, I turned the age that it was. I lucked <laughs> out. You lucked out. So it went up with your age. Yeah. I, I, the year they changed, every year I was 18, I could drink. The next year it was okay. Then, then they made it 19, but that year I turned 19. Then two more years went by, and then they made it 21, and I was 21 that year. So Yeah, that transition was about 1980 or 81, I believe, right? Yeah. I remember yeah. when it occurred. I, I, you know, I, I, don't remember. I was nowhere near it. And, and at the time, I always thought that it's the greatest example of tyranny that america exhibits upon its people mm, the drinking age what well that yeah. you be that they could tell you to go die but you ain't gonna have a beer when you get home i don't know if that's the greatest example well, of tyranny. one of the biggest it, it's you like, like beer a big it is. slap in the face to yeah. men that they want to defend i think their freedom i think well, the wholesale steal i think the wholesale stealing we know of as uh, taxes and all the various different uh, regulations and aggregate is uh well you know, the greatest. It, it's like it's a it's a a real uh, example of how you know how they feel about they you absolutely and i thank you yeah. dave uh, for the call tonight appreciate hearing from you as we continue we go to steven in florida you're on free talk live hello steven hey hey fellas hey what's on your mind tonight well um i know mark um has studied economics on his own a little bit and uh if i recall correctly i believe wayne said that he formally studied economics in school a little bit um, and uh, I just read an article written by some big shot up in the in the uh, Federal Reserve, one of their senior economists, who basically said that people like me uh, and Mark, who sort of study it a little bit on our own by reading this and that, you know, book or blog post or whatever, and even people like Wayne, who uh, took a few classes but don't have a Ph.D., people like us basically need to sit down, shut up, and let them handle it. They got this crap under control. Mm-hmm. Uh, and <laughs> don't even try learning economics because, guess what, it's really hard. And seriously, that was the tone and the attitude of this article. I just wondered if you guys had seen that. You know, I understand where the guy's coming from. Um, if uh, I, I, being a volunteer firefighter who's had very little training, um, were to sit at a uh, on on site at a, at a fire, you know, house fire, and tell the professionals who had a great de- years and years of of training and and uh, on the job training how to fight their fire, I'd look like a boob. But mm-hmm. if it was my house, on the other hand, that was burning down, and I was giving them some kind of suggestions on how to do it. I'm at that point a customer, and uh, they, you know, they're they're going. They should take what I have to say 
t- t- into account some way or another. Like, hey, you know, there's a dog in that room or, you know, go, go save th- this kind of thing or that kind of thing. It's our money that they're using, that these economic experts are using. It's the American right. people's money. And, um, you know, they're they're essentially robbing the value from us in order to give it to their friends. And that's what inflation is. Well, also, you, you kind of touched on, Mark, the the snooty attitude that a lot of the people that have been through the college world of academia or are still in many cases there, uh, the snooty uh, nose up attitude that they have toward other people who aren't as uh, you're not as educated as I. How dare you? How dare you have an opinion? You don't have uh, formal training. Yeah. <laughs> but what good is your education if you done been learned wrong? That's right. If you can sit uh, in a school for uh, six years, and if they're teaching you uh, the uh, bad information, your education ain't worth a hill of beans. Garbage in, garbage out. And, and you know, the other thing is... I kind of see this as an act of desperation, really, because most of these uh, uh, academic economists, most of them are, are have been trained Keynesian economics. That's what I mean. Sure. And, and so, yeah. which is a bunch of nonsense when you really start to analyze the way it all uh, is supposed to work. And they develop all these exotic mathematical models for central planning because it's all geared around central planning and, and central control of the economy. And and then of of course the Austrian school is gaining prominence very rapidly now around the world, and they're and they're threatened by that. So I I, I don't get offended. I see it as an act of desperation, and, right. and uh, it's just and, and it's just a child was, stomping his feet on the ground saying, "You listen to me." Right. If they were ignoring him, there'd be one thing. Uh, but they're now he's trying to fight you, and you know you and we know all know the Gandhi saying. Right. Exactly. Very good, Stephen. Thanks for the call. Appreciate hearing from you. Right. Hour number two is coming up. You can take control of the airwaves, bring up whatever's on your mind. Camping plus photos equals a DCF investigation. We'll explain. Another family's been charged with child porn. Coming up. Attention, all active duty members and veterans of the U.S. military. Your proud service to your country entitles you with the right to participate in special VA loan programs with benefits not available to the general public like the ability to purchase a new home with no down payment or mortgage insurance, or refi with cash out up to 100% of your present home equity with less strict credit criteria. You are entitled to these benefits. Review them online at varadio.com. This is Tim Lewis from iFreedom Direct and a veteran of Operation Iraqi Freedom. I want you to know that as a member or veteran of the United States military, you've earned special rights and privileges. On your feet and get the details at varadio.com. iFreedom Direct Corporation is a private lender approved by the VA and licensed in most states. In certain states, certain restrictions and limitations apply. For a current list of licenses, disclosures, and all benefits, go to varadio.com. varadio.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want by dialing in via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. SACL CAI toll-free line 800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com. You can enjoy all the features on our site there, and the main feature allows you, the listener, to decide the content of the website. You, as you're surfing the web, find something you like, think it's interesting, think our listeners might enjoy it, you submit it via our show prep submission form at freetalklive.com. It appears other listeners can then vote on whether they like or dislike your suggestion, and the most liked of those items will make it to the front page of our website, meaning we're more likely to see it and talk about it. So head over to freetalklive.com and get interactive. 
so still to come here, your calls about whatever's on your mind. Uh, but let's go first to Salon.com, where there is an incredibly lengthy story about a family that was on a camping trip, as many families do. It's one of those things, you know, you get out there with the kids, go back to nature and, you know, show them how to catch fish or some other stuff like that. It's a cheap vacation, too. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, this is not an uncommon occurrence. And in some cases, if you're camping at the right place, you'll have some privacy. Some of the more camping spots are populated and there's families and other people around, but some of them are a little more secluded. You go a little further out in the woods, that kind of thing. You can have a nice little spot out by a lake or something like that. And indeed, that's what happened with the uh, the gentleman that uh, is writing this story or Actually, I'm not sure if it's a gentleman. Jody is the name of the uh, the author. Jody does leave it leave it yeah. up to the imagination, doesn't it? Uh, but the the whole family was out there, and and actually it was uh, a couple of families, one uh, family and another. And I'm going to skip past the first few paragraphs where they're just kind of talking about the trip in general, and it's not really relevant to uh, the the point of the story. So we'll uh, pick it up here in the middle or in the beginning here. As uh, usual during the trip, we took several photos. Because I forgot my digital camera, I bought a disposable camera at a gas station on the way to the campground. I took pictures of the kids using sticks to beat on old bottles and cans and logs as musical instruments. I took a few of my youngest daughter, Eliza, then age three, skinny dipping in the lake. And my son, Noah, then age eight, swimming in the lake in his underwear. And then another of Noah naked, hamming it up while using a long stick to hold his underwear over the fire to dry. It's cute. It's cute stuff. Funny, yeah. Uh... So, uh, finally, I took a photo of everyone, as was our camping tradition, peeing on the ashes of the fire to put it out for the last time. There you go. We also let the kids take photos of their own. When we returned on Sunday, I forgot the throwaway camera, and Rusty, my friend, found it in his car. He gave it to his wife, whom I'll call Janet, to get developed. And she dropped it off the next day with two other rolls of film at a local Eckerd drugstore. Uh-oh. On Tuesday, when she returned to pick up the film, she was approached by two officers from the Savannah Police Department. They told her that they'd been called by Eckerd due to questionable photos. Once, uh, one officer told Janet there were pictures of little kids running around with no clothes on. Pictures of minors drinking alcohol, she recounted for me in an email. I asked to see the pictures and was told I couldn't. I explained there must be a mistake. I was kind of laughing, you know. <laughs> Come on, guys, there must be an explanation. This is crazy. Let me see the pictures. The officer told me that he personally did not find the photos offensive and that he had camped himself as a kid and knows what goes on. But the other officer also told Janet that because Eckers had called them that they, uh, they, and that because there were pictures of children naked, genitalia, and alcohol, they would have to investigate. Because that's what they always claim. Well, citizen calls, we have to investigate and arrest somebody. Janet asked the photo lab clerk what was on the photos, and the clerk replied very seriously that they were bad, that there was one that looked like a child's head had been cut off, one with children drinking beer and pictures of naked kids. As she drove to her house, Janet said, I was in shock and felt sick to the pit of my stomach and was trying to process all of it. She called my wife, who was driving home, and explained what had happened. Sensing how bad this might become, my wife pulled her car to the side of the road and fought the urge to throw up. Neither, especially if you've heard of this sort of story before. Yeah, if you if you like us and you do a show and, and you find out about these things or listen to the show and find out about these things on a pretty regular basis, you know that this can end very, very badly. Of course, then you'd know if you'd heard of this before, you would know that you should have gone back to Best Buy and gotten a cheap digital camera rather than getting a roll of film. Anyway, neither my wife nor I, Rusty or Janet. Right, Eckerd's is just dying apparently to throw. This was from Eckerd's. 
Mm-hmm. Eckridge is out of business. Um, <laughs> well, they re- well, they report whoever it was. They reported them. Yes, uh, Eckridge is throwing its uh, it, its customers in jail. I don't know. This story was written uh, ten days ago, so I, I couldn't tell you at what time this uh, this occurred, but. Maybe Eckerd's is still running under uh, the same name, but different owners uh, in different places. Was it Rite so. Aid buy them or something like that? What happened? I thought it was CVS. Well, anyway, uh, nonetheless, maybe it wasn't Eckerd. Maybe it was some other store and they didn't put that name in. So let me continue. So none of these folks, none of these pair of parents have a criminal record of any sort. Yet over the next several weeks, the Savannah, oh, this is Savannah, Georgia, Savannah Police Department and Department of Family and Child Services, the DFCS, investigated us for child pornography. And then sexual exploitation of a minor. We suffered the embarrassment of having DFs because apparently being naked uh, or s- swimming in your underwear and then being photographed drying your underwear out over the campfire is sexual exploitation, even though there's nothing sexual going on in the pictures. This is really the biggest insult to me, I think, uh, is the idea that taking a picture of a child naked is somehow sexy. Or sexual in any way, shape, or form. Right. Now, there may what, be a That's what these people there. are suggesting, is that mm-hmm. somehow or another they find these uh, pictures to be sexy. Because mm-hmm. when my son uh, Jack is in, the, in, is, is in the bathtub or uh, running around outdoors uh, without any, you know, because he's been in the pool or whatever, naked, it's not sexual. No. It's just a naked kid running around. We suffered the embarrassment, and get this, we suffered the embarrassment of having the DFCS interview our family, friends, employers, and our children's teachers, asking them whether we were suitable parents and what kind of relationship we had with our kids. Yeah, can you imagine what that's like with your employer the next day? Can you imagine what it's like having your friends? I mean, are are they going to be what are they? What are your friends thinking? Because you're always, you know, well, I never thought that about them, right? Who who would have thought? I it's, mean, it's, are they getting are they getting left out of the Super Bowl party next year as a result of this? It's a witch hunt. During that time, my wife and I, our children and friends, lived in a kind of suspended animation, a limbo of unreality, where our privacy was invaded and we were stripped of our sense of dignity and seemingly our rights. And let's not forget the, uh, the, the kind of uh, situation that these parents are now in. Um, if for whatever reason a child wants to get vindictive or a teacher or somebody, uh, you know, some, if somebody wants to get vindictive, here is the, the, the cheapest, easiest shot they can take at these people and it will ruin their lives. As though they aren't already ruined. They'll just well, I mean, they're you know, they, now, then they can make, somebody can make some kind of accusation right. that they're they're having sex with their kids. I know they are. To be accused unjustly of any crime is a terrible thing, but to be accused of using your own children for pornographic purposes or sexual exploitation bears a special taint because no matter how highly people think of you, they don't know you in your most intimate moments, which forever leaves you open to suspicion. Being investigated for child pornography is so grave that people might assume it has to be based in fact. And yet, I would learn, as so many other horrified parents have, that it can begin simply by somebody picking up the phone. It's not going to be a big deal, Rusty told my wife, not long after we all heard the news. But after Rusty's initial visit to the police station uh, was to explain the photos to the officers, our optimism began to wane. It was evident the police didn't view us as innocent until proven guilty, Rusty told me in a recent email. I sought out the officer in charge of the unit that investigates these crimes, and when he finally agreed to meet with me, he was rude, unprofessional, and very accusatory before hearing from anyone involved. The police, however, didn't file any charges against us, but they they had digitized six of the photos and sent copies to the Department of Family and Children's Services for further investigation. We're going to keep this as a... Uh, we can keep this for Keeping ourselves. this in our file. wonder what that looks like. 
which is standard practice in such cases. Of course, somebody pointed out that the biggest collector of child pornography in the United States is the United States federal government. That they they don't get rid of it all, apparently, when they, when they find they it. They keep it. Yeah. The officers wouldn't let Rusty see any of the photos at the station, and uh, so we had no idea what was even on them, as we had allowed the kids to take photos of their own. One of the photos, an officer said, showed a child drinking beer. After our case was turned over to the DFCS, we began what seemed like an excruciatingly long period of waiting to hear what would come next. As the days ticked by, Janet told me it was impossible for me to function, concentrate, or focus on work. I couldn't eat, felt sick, and scared. My wife and I began to question even our routine judgment because of a sudden awareness of being observed by some unseen entity that seemed to be everywhere and nowhere at once. A hug or quick goodnight kiss with our little girls and boy suddenly seemed questionable. Were my hands in the wrong place? Did that kiss on the corner of the lips of my three-year-old look more than merely innocent to someone? We'll come back with more of this man's story in moments at 800-259-9231 of this family's story. This is Free Talk Live. Do you have a product or service that you can sell to a national audience? Free Talk Live is a nationally syndicated talk show on more than 80 talk radio stations from Alaska to Florida. We've been named Talkers Magazine's Heavy 100 list. That's the 100 most important radio talk shows in the nation twice. And the number one political podcast on podcastawards.com four out of the last five years. You can have access to our 80 plus stations and our large and loyal podcast audience for as little as $500 a month. Contact me, Mark, at freetalklive.com. show is free talk live we call it that because you are free to call in take control of the airwaves bring up whatever's on your mind the toll-free number is 1-800-259-9231 that's sacral uh, cai toll-free line 1-800-259-9231 you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com we give you the features on the site for free so enjoy those on us again freetalklive.com features including our wiki over 2,000 pages created by listeners just like you wiki wiki freetalklive.com. Taryn Lupo from the LCL Report and Wheels Off Liberty supports his full-time activism by selling Liberty-themed jewelry. You can support the ideas of Liberty every time you buy some of his unique jewelry. He uh, also does custom work for just about anything you can dream up. You can find his designs at lclreport.com or join his fan group on Facebook. It's lclreport.com. And he does. He has some really great designs. So since, uh, well, Taryn's over there in Savannah, Georgia, this story strikes pretty close to home. And it strikes close to home for anybody who's got children who's ever taken a picture of them, say, naked in the bathtub or running around the house or the backyard or something like that. Or in this case, we're talking about some pictures that were taken out at a camping trip with a couple of families. They had their kids out and uh, the three-year-old daughter was naked at one point. They took a picture of that. And uh, I'm sure they took a lot of pictures. <laughs> I doubt the entire role was full of naked pictures of their children. So uh, then there was an eight-year-old that was uh, swimming in his underwear, and then after that, he was drying his underwear out over the campfire on a stick. They took a picture of that. They, were, uh, they peed on the campfire to put it out at the end of the trip. They took a picture of that. They also allowed the children to have the camera while they were alone. So the kids took some pictures. Apparently, somebody took a picture of a child with a beer in its hand. Uh, I don't know who, was, who did that, but nonetheless, we're not talking about any abuse here, although some people would, that's a beer, it's terrible. Well, whatever, it's, it's not your family, so shut up uh, and leave these people alone and make, let them make their own decisions for themselves about how to, to raise their kids. But then when one of the, uh, the parents took it into Eckerd, because it was a film camera, to have the, uh, the, the film developed, one of those disposable cameras, Eckerd's called the cops, and so began a lengthy 
hellacious investigation that resulted in all of their friends and family and their co-workers and other people in their lives being approached by the Department of Children, Families and Services, whatever the you know, as, as though you want those services, uh, coming up to them and asking them about their parenting uh, techniques and, and what they were like with their kids and, and you know basically saying, hey, we're investigating your best friends for child porn. And of course, we think they might be exploiting their children yeah. for child porn, perhaps molesting them. Do you have any ideas about that? Yeah. So even though you're supposedly innocent until proven guilty, it sure is hard to deal with a situation like that where people are so concerned about children and their well-being, they jump to conclusions. Well, if the police are investigating uh, these folks, then they must have a case. There must be something here. Uh, my friends, I, I would never have thought they were uh, child abusers, but boy, now I don't know what to think. Well, I can see that one of the police officers even said that he didn't find anything offensive there. Now, some people are more nudists at heart than others. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like these people were just out at a campground, or I guess it wasn't a campground. It was actually out camping in the woods, mm-hmm. and they were away from everybody, and they just, they were, they were nudists. So, that so- happens. And, you know, if you go to a nudist beach or you go to a nudist colony, people are walking around naked, and nobody is all sexual ages. about it. Yeah, all Because ages. actually, when you take all your clothes off, and after say the first few hours you, you get used to it and it's not sexual at all absolutely it's just a naked body and we all have them so uh so they started to double ch- to uh you know, to doubt themselves did the kiss on the corner of the lips of my three-year-old look more than merely innocent to someone a, a pat on the bum as our kids ran past suddenly seemed dangerous through our second guessing suddenly all critical eye the story from salon.com by the way each intimate moment detailed, or entailed rather, a profound searching, an almost paralytic invasion of our deepest privacy. We began to observe ourselves until each moment became one long scrutiny, and the pressure it created in our daily lives grew and grew. We feared that if we were found guilty, our children would be taken away and put in a foster home. No, you feared correctly. If you're found guilty, they will be taken away and put in foster homes. I think it's sad that these parents were questioning themselves in this. I mean, what they really should be doing is asking about systems that uh, are put in place where parents doing normal things are you know, held up as criminals and investigated as criminals and made to feel like criminals. This is what's disgusting. Letting your kids run around naked at a campground? Not disgusting. We worried about my wife's new job in France because we might have to stay in the United States to fight any charges. Everything was pure assumption because the Department of Family and Children Services didn't communicate at all, so we were left to imagine the worst. Family services. Services. They're providing services by not communicating. Oh, the guy in court the other day called me a customer. It was a real insult. Uh, Our friend Rusty stood to lose his prominent job in government, which he had held for years, simply from the appearances of the investigation. He said, I waited in constant anxiety of the wildfire of whispers about my arrest for being a child pornographer, molester, or worse. He said it was terrifying. At this point, our children, who were already stressed by the upcoming move and leaving their schools and friends, were unaware of what was happening. Like Janet and Rusty, the, the other couple, we tried to keep it that way by not discussing the case around them. But our kids knew by our blank stares and depressed sure. demeanor that something was seriously wrong. Well, they, they probably ascribed it to the trip. As the pressure grew, my wife and I began to the lose move, our, our tempers more often over small little things. I would uh, explode when my daughter spilled a glass of Juicy Juice at the dinner table or overreact and deny something when the kids would ask us if there was something uh, wrong. And then I would be overcome with guilt and shame at my inability to take control of what was happening to us. At night, my wife and I lay side by side in bed in the darkness, staring up into the ceiling, unable any longer to find words in the face of the vast void-like possibility of losing our children based on pure accusation. And when will it happen? It could happen tomorrow. Uh, it was- this could happen to anybody. I mean, we've we've read story after story after story about uh, people 
you know, going to jail, uh, you know, having being investigated, losing their kids, all based on naked pictures. Because I, I, I just don't even know. I don't even know what that's based on. I, when I was growing up, it was not that unusual for people to let their kids run around naked on the lawn or, you know, obviously bathtub. There are pictures of me out mm-hmm. there, at, you know, young, some young me age too. in the bathtub with my cousins. As if this is some kind of, I mean, what kind of sick, twisted individual says that, ah, this is like a, a preschooler menage a trois. I mean, what <laughs> kind of sick, twisted person says that? Now, it seems that this is pretty universal now, where, where places that develop photos are somehow obligated by law to report people who have naked children. Yeah, maybe Pictures. they're just scared of something that'll happen to them. A lot of in a lot of cases, people that are uh, the kind of kind of corporate world enforcers of these laws are just frightened that something awful will happen to them. For instance, if you are selling alcohol to a minor and the cops are the ones sending the minor in to buy the alcohol, you'll get arrested. So maybe these photo clerks are worried that uh, they're being stung, they're having a stung, sting operation run on them with. I think uh, that naked it's just as pictures. likely that their public school. Uh, you know, res- I don't even know what to call them. People, public school drones that are created mm. that uh, you know believe that anything stepping outside, any kind of coloring outside the lines, is is criminal behavior. It was a secret too painful to keep, but impossible to talk about to anyone else. We felt ashamed simply by association with the charge. As a journalist, I've lived for weeks in terrible conditions in war refugee camps and been under fire uh, fire on the battlefield. But those weeks of waiting and wondering what would happen to our family were by far the most stressful I have ever experienced. On the advice of my wife's mother, a former public utilities commissioner in Florida, we contacted Mills Fleming, a local lawyer who was also a childhood friend of my wife. We needed expert help navigating the accusations. He told us that when he contacted the Office of Child Protection at the Chatham Department of Family and Sir- Children's Sir- Children Services, the agency was surprised and annoyed that we had retained a lawyer. We were shocked that it wasn't routine. I mean, how many families can afford a lawyer? How many, how many yeah. families that are developing f- film cameras uh, can hmm. can afford a lawyer? Yeah. 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. But that was the least of his revelations. We soon discovered that we had no right to retain a lawyer on our children's behalf. We'll tell you more about what happened here in a few moments at 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. You can bring up what you want. This is Free Talk Live. Help Free Talk Live via the AMP program for just $3 per month, and you'll get access to exclusive call-in lines, a chat room, and a forum at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want if you dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231, the SACL-CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. 1-800-259-9231. And joining you tonight, it's Ian. And Wayne. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features on the site free, but if you want to help support the show, one of the ways you can do that is by shopping with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. And I have to apologize. Uh, for, for some reason, when we flipped the website at the beginning of this year to our brand new site that is far more interactive and really spiffy, there was some stuff that broke. And one of those things was our Amazon link. I don't know why. Maybe it was always like this, but started getting reports from people that when they would visit Amazon.freetalklive.com to go shopping at Amazon, enter through our link, and therefore uh, about 7-8% of the purchase price goes to Free Talk Live, really great way to help support the show and get the stuff you want, that they were getting an error uh, that uh, when they would go to the, that URL. 
But when I would go, it worked for me, and when most people would go, it worked for them. So there was some sort of screwy problem behind the scenes and the, the code that basically had a script that essentially tried to determine where you were and then deliver you to the appropriate Amazon. Because there are several different Amazons across the world. There's, uh, we've got uh, affiliate accounts over at Amazon UK, Amazon uh, Canada, Amazon uh, Germany. Germany. So the idea was to uh, use some sort of IP checking technology. So when you put in Amazon.freetalklive.com, it would determine where you were and then send you, deliver you to the correct Amazon. Make sense? Yeah. So apparently something about that was broken because some people, it just wasn't working. And uh, I, I figured we'd get somebody to fix the script and it, it fell through the cracks. And so we've, I don't know how much money we've lost as a result of, uh, of not having this fixed, but I just, I've gotten fed up at this point and I just went ahead and, and redid it. So now when you, go to, when you go to amazon.freetalklive.com, it will always take you to the United States Amazon site. I mean, fact is, as much as I appreciate everybody out there listening internationally, we just don't get a whole lot of money in from Amazon. I've never gotten a check from Amazon uh, Germany. Uh, we've gotten one check from Amazon Canada, and we've gotten two, I think, from Amazon UK. And it's usually like, you know, 75 bucks or something like that. Because they, they wait until you build up to a certain level of funds before they cut you the check. So for, for all the money that we've gotten from uh, Canada and, and the UK Amazons, it's probably not worth the, the hundreds of dollars that have been left on the table by the people that have not been able to visit the Amazon US website through, yeah. the, through the main link. So I made the uh, the executive decision to go ahead and make that change. It may be that we are able to ch- fix it back at some point, but maybe not right now. Uh, I, I hesitate to because the only way to really test that script is to open it up to the public, and then then we start getting emails from people saying, "Oh, it's not working." Mm. Whenever we're not going to know that. Like if I test it and it works for me, that doesn't mean it won't work, or that doesn't You're mean right. it will work doesn't for mean you. That. So the way we're going to handle this now is Amazon.freetalklive.com is going to take you to the U.S. website. If that's not good for you. Then just put the two-letter country code after Amazon. So AmazonUK.freetalklive.com if you're in the UK. AmazonCA.freetalklive.com if you're in Canada. And we'll try to remind you about that occasionally, uh, but clearly we can't promote that every single night. So, so if it wasn't working for you before, it should be working now absolutely. Just go to Amazon.freetalklive.com. You get your shopping done. You get it taken care of. You're shaking your head at me, Mark. I don't want to do this live read because gotcha. um, this Amazon, uh, your your Amazon promo has gone so long. I want to do it until um, the next. Okay, second. very good. Uh, so I thought you were saying no, you can't go to Amazon or something. So Amazon so free talk at the live read. Amazon dot uh, is where to go. You get uh, the stuff that you want. You get great prices. Get it delivered to your door. Dozens of categories. You can even buy used items. So get your shopping done, and it should work now. At Amazon.freetalklive.com. We're sharing with you a disturbing story that everybody who has a family or everybody who is going to have a family needs to hear about. Uh, and it's uh, the, the gentleman over at Salon.com talking about some pictures that he and his uh, his wife and some friends took while they were out on a camping trip, which uh, was developed at, at Eckerd's. And the helpful Eckerd's employee decided to report them to the police. And the helpful police decided to report them to the Department of Fa- Children and Family Services, which began an investigation involving questioning their friends and their family about them being possible child pornographers and proceeded to uh, destroy their lives. So... They retained a lawyer, uh, by the way, and as he talked to the DFCS, they told him that they were shocked and annoyed, apparently, or they made it clear they were surprised and annoyed that they had retained a lawyer at all. Uh, And the family says they were shocked it wasn't routine that this happened. But that was the least of his revelations. We soon discovered we had no right to retain a lawyer on our children's behalf. 
See, DFCS would become protector of our children and judge as to the validity of the charges against us. The presumption of innocence, until proven guilty, had been turned on its head. The mm. burden had been placed on us, not the legal system, to prove our innocence. Our most basic right and instinct as parents to protect our children had been usurped by a single accusation. Over the next weeks, our only communication with DFCS was through their uh, lawyer friend. He told us the agency would call on Thanksgiving and announce what they were going to do about our case. Why would they call on Thanksgiving? I, they take people from their home. They took children on Christmas. So Did they take the, the, these kids already? Uh, no. no, they hadn't taken the kids yet. So we had planned to leave for the long weekend, but stayed home and waited for word from DFCS. They never called. Afterward, I spent the days taking kids to school and preparing the house, climbing up nearly three stories on a ladder to paint. At times, I became so lost in an absorbing daydream of sorting through the events that I almost stepped right off the ladder. Terrified at my complete lack of awareness, I would force myself to focus. I would dip my brush into the paint and drift off into the possibility of what might happen if a police officer or sheriff's deputy appeared at our front door with papers to take our children. As I stroked the brush along the boards, I became lost in intricate, heated conversations that led to arguments that devolved into helpless anger. We had no understanding of the process, and the DFCS bureaucracy seemed some large, amorphous beast threatening us from just beyond our view. And that's exactly what they are. (laughs) I began to feel dangerously angry. When my anger and fear were such that I was having difficulty coping, I called my brother in North Carolina, who knew nothing about the charges. He's two years older than I, and we've always been close. I thought he might help me put things into some sort of perspective. I wanted to call him numerous times, but hesitated because of my shame. And I wanted to solve this on my own. But now I felt I was starting to come apart, and I feared I might do something that could wind me up in jail. I had no choice but to call, but he wasn't home. And when his answering machine came on, the sudden realization of what was happening to me and the reason I was reaching out to him caused me to simply break down and cry. I hung up without leaving a message, and he told me later that from the crying on the phone, he was certain someone close to us had died. As Christmas approached, our lawyer felt that the DFCS investigation into sexual exploitation of a minor was running aground because the agency began airing the possibility of charging us with a lesser crime. Now they wanted to hit us with endangerment of a child. The result of letting the kids be near an open campfire, apparently. What? suggestion seemed absurd, given that nearly every weekend of the year, parents across the country go camping with their children and roast marshmallows over an open fire. My wife, our friends, and I felt that DFCS was on a fishing expedition, but one with potentially dangerous consequences. The agency had requested... Yeah, they're on a fishing expedition, and guess who the prey is? They had requested to interview our children at the Children's Advocacy Center. Oh, well, if it's just a request... No. (laughs) A safe haven used for questioning children who've been sexually or physically abused or have witnessed violence. But we resisted because we were not allowed to have a lawyer present. And we'd heard horror stories from teachers who had witnessed sessions of children being fed leading questions and being directed what to answer by caseworkers. You damn right they will. Mm -hmm. And you know something? There are children who are abused by scumbags. There's no question about that. But I think from the very beginning, it's obvious that this wasn't a case of that. There's no evidence whatsoever here, just naked children. That's not enough. We requested that any interviews be taped. DFCS relented and switched the meeting to the Office of Child Protection. The change in venue and charge against us was seen by our lawyer as a stand-down. He felt DFCS realized it had a weak case, and the interviews were essentially a procedural hoop the caseworker had to jump through to satisfy bureaucratic demands in order to exit the case. I was angry at what appeared to be an absurd game with our lives, but Mills told me I had to get a grip because my anger could undermine our case. Although I heard him, acting accordingly was another matter. Finally, one weekday afternoon, my wife and I, I mean, he's a dad, he's protective. Mm -hmm. 
my wife and I, our friends and our kids, convened at the Office of Child Protection of DFCS to be interviewed. We had still not been charged with anything, and the investigation remained open-ended. When I picked the kids up from school, I explained on the drive back where we were going and why. I struggled because I wanted them to know everything was at stake, and I didn't want to frighten them. They were full of questions, and they wanted to know who these people were, and why they wanted to talk about our camping trip, and what kind of questions they would ask. The questions were the same ones I had myself, and yet hearing the children pose them back, all the absurdity of the situation and my anger quickly surfaced, and I blurted out, I don't know, I don't know, but these people could take you away from us. There's more coming up here on this story. We'll share it with you. Your calls as well at 800-259-9231. Freedom, baby. This is America. It's Free Talk Live. You can listen to Free Talk Live on the radio via podcast, the webcam, and our live streams at freetalklive.com. Not enough options? Now you can listen to Free Talk Live from any phone, anywhere. Add this number to your phone, 760-569-7752. It's a long-distance call, so make sure you're familiar with your phone's calling plan. The Free Talk Live listen lines are airing the latest episode of Free Talk Live 24 hours a day, including our live shows. Call 760-569-7752. That's 760-569-7752. is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want by dialing in toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features on the site for free, uh, so enjoy those on us, including archives. If you've missed a moment of the show, click and download. They are yours for free. Front page of the website, uh, you get the last week, and then if you click into the archive section, you can go all the way back to 2006. All free for you at freetalklive.com. Private, inaccurate, or unflattering information posted about you online can hurt your reputation, your career, even your relationships, which is why it's so important to know what's on the Internet about you and to take control of it. There's a company called Reputation Defender that controls your privacy online and manages how you look to someone who searches you. You can go to MyReputation.com to find out more. Use promo code FREE, that's F-R-E-E, and get a special discount at MyReputation.com for Reputation Defender. All right, so we're going to continue with this story that is not uncommon, unfortunately. We've heard a number of times on this program over the years about families who have been accused of child pornography for taking pictures of their kids in the bathtub or in the pool or out in the backyard. or In this case, we're talking about a camping trip. Uh, where a three-year-old and an eight-year-old were photographed in the buff. And, uh, of course, there was good reason for it, because it was cute what the kids were doing, and they're their parents, and parents do this. You know, they take pictures of their kids. Right. They're the cutest. My kid is the cutest thing that's, uh, that I've ever seen in my life, and I'm sure every parent feels the same way. Yeah, but then some busybody clerk at a local drugstore, and you're right, Mark, Eckert is, uh, has been purchased by CVS, so I'm... Maybe this happened a you know, few years ago before that I'm happened. sure that it's been difficult for this guy to talk about. Yeah. I, I think, I'm sure it took him a while. Some, sometimes when, when another company swallows up another company, the stores don't cha- all change at the same time. No, so. that's true. There's a transition period. <laughs> um, but uh, we're sharing the story from Salon.com. The, the author, the journalist here, is one of the parents who was accused of child pornography and endangerment of a child because uh, the kids had a beer. One of the kids had a beer in, in their hands in one of the pictures, and they were naked in some of the other pictures. And so this investigation began and uh, proceeded to destroy their lives and uh, throw him into uh, you know, fits of rage and anger and depression and all kinds of horrible feelings that no one should have to go through. So let me continue the story here. They're on the way now to the Office of Child Protection to be interviewed by uh, the the DCF people. There are different names in every state. But on their way, this is the first time they've really broken the news to their kids. 
because they've been trying to keep it quiet. They've been trying to not have their children experience the same stress uh, that they have. And I wonder what would have happened had they not gone to these interviews because, as they said, they were invited uh, to uh, to interview. But nonetheless, most people want to go along with what the government uh, wants from them. They're scary. They it'll, right. They believe it'll help. You know, if there's a guy with a gun uh, standing you know, in front of you who tells you to do something, you're likely to do it. So one of the children asked, they can take us away? I don't know, I yelled. I don't know anything. And when I looked in the rearview mirror, I could see tears running down their faces as they began to cry. The Office of Child Protection was housed in a new building recently relocated from downtown Savannah. Nice place. Into a poor neighborhood. Directly across the street was Hitch Village, one of the city's most notorious housing projects in a city that in several recent years has been ranked among the most dangerous metropolitan areas in the country. Get close to their victims. As we stepped into the elevator, all dressed in our best, all combed and neat because we know how much appearances mattered, our family suddenly seemed so vulnerable. The waiting room was neat and sterile and empty, except for us. No window, no attendant. No one to tell us what to do or expect. We weren't even sure if we were in the right place. But after a moment, we decided to sit in the chairs that lined the walls, a surveillance camera with its wide-angle lens staring down on us. Magnetic strip readers... Creepy. Sounds like prison. Uh, magnetic strip readers were mounted beside each door along the hallways, and from time to time, someone would emerge from one door, slide their card through a reader on another, and quickly disappear into it. I was struggling to find some calm and balance, but I didn't trust anyone's judgment anymore and was seething at this moment, so lacking in logic. When our caseworker, Patricia, Patricia Oni finally appeared, the amorphous bureaucracy that for weeks had haunted us suddenly had a face. That she appeared gentle with the kids and intelligent and caring gave me a small ray of hope. She explained that we would go one at a time, beginning with the kids, and she and our eight-year-old daughter, Sophie, Noah's twin, disappeared into the maze of cubicles hidden behind the card-reading doors. As we were to soon learn ourselves, the interviewed were not recorded on video or tape, which of course was their request in advance they had they had said yeah we'll do these interviews as long as you record them Eh, Mm. they didn't do it and what are you going to do sue the government for breaking their promises yeah well that's what the government does sophie has a keen memory for details and when she returned and noah went in she recounted the questions that had been posed they ranged from whether she could distinguish between good touch and bad touch to whether after the kids went to bed while camping the fathers made sounds outside the tent that in the words of my daughter sounded like things they shouldn't do Whatever that means. When our son returned, he didn't want to talk about what happened, except to question why he was being asked about good touching and bad touching. One after another, the kids went in. Eliza, or Eliza rather, our three-year-old, has wispy, uh, bright blonde hair. As she disappeared behind the door, I couldn't help wondering what it was they might ask her, and given what had happened so far, how it might be construed. We sat in the waiting room trying to occupy the remaining kids while waiting. There was a gravity to the moment that the children were aware of, and everyone was mostly quiet. As each of the kids reappeared from their interviews, they seemed relieved. When I when my turn came, I followed Oni. That's good news, boy. I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> I followed Oni back to the cubicle where an assistant sat with. But the these pet. people just got lucky. They just got lucky that they got one of the good bureaucrats. And I'm not saying that there's not. I don't even know whether it's a, a majority of good bureaucrats or bad bureaucrats or whatever. But if for whatever reason, imagine imagine this guy had acted poorly when he saw this woman. He like he was frustrated. Mm-hmm. He was upset by you know months of dealing with these people he had said something that uh, for whatever reason made her angry not something sexual or anything like that just something like you people suck why are you doing this to our family can you imagine how this would have necessarily gone oh they'd, they'd feel some heat from that but to say they got lucky mark at this point in the game is did uh, they keep their kids we'll find out but uh, but to say that still is really a uh, little solace considering everything they have uh, had been through up to this point So uh, we sat down and began to talk. The assistant seemed to take notes, but as it went along, I noticed she hardly wrote anything. 
Though I was tempted to call her on it because it seemed absurd that this might become the official record, I didn't want to antagonize them and remember the lawyer's intuition that DFCS was looking for a way out, but I was thinking about how accurately she had noted what the children had said. Oni's main concern seemed not to be with the photos, but with our behavior as parents, but rather if I had any questions, or with our behavior as parents, but rather if I had any questions about what had happened and about the process as a whole. Although I had nothing but questions, I refrained from asking them. I wanted to put the camping trip in context, because the police had only sent six photos to DFCS, and not the rest of the roll, Oni had never gotten the full story. Also by now, I had seen all of the photos, including the six in question, as the police had allowed Rusty to take them home with him. Well, isn't that a strange thing? The same photos they're accusing of being child, child pornography porn they you give do. to the pornographer to take home with them? Bizarre. There were explanations for each one. The photo of the child whose head had been cut off was simply one where a child's head fell outside the border. The photo of a child drinking beer was actually one of Rusty's daughter carrying a broken beer bottle she'd found and planned to put into her makeshift xylophone. I began explaining to Oni that by camping, our aim was to take our kids out of their normal routine and to teach them to appreciate not only nature, but the luxuries our daily life afforded. As I told her that we dug holes for latrines and covered our traces, Oni, who said she had never been camping, seemed genuinely surprised. When she asked me about the danger of my son drying his wet pants with a stick over an open fire, I explained that when I took the picture, I was no more than a few feet away and that he was safe. This woman has never been camping. I mean, what? I guess, that you know, city dwellers don't do that sort of thing, I suppose, but it uh, seems, seems pretty unusual for me. Not that I was living out in the woods all my life, but... I wonder, you know, wonder if she had kids herself. I, that's another good question. Seemed, it does seem odd. Right. The idea that, uh, you know, your kids wouldn't know there was something dangerous about fire, that you wouldn't have, you know, that, uh, that you would take them near a campfire if they hadn't learned the lessons about fire in the first place, uh, or that they wouldn't be under supervision. Seems pretty ludicrous. So, Oni said she'd never been camping. Uh, I felt my anger rising, and I told her I couldn't believe anybody would find a photograph of a three-year-old making her way into a lake to skinny dip, titillating. I had wiped my daughter's bottom thousands of times, and for me, that photo was nothing more than trying to capture a fond memory. I acknowledged the difficulty and necessity of her job. Eh, I don't know about that. But I explained that, uh, for me, this was clearly a case of the system gone astray, and I was angry that it had gone as far as it had. Oni responded by asking for the names of friends, family, employers, teachers, and any others she might interview, again, apparently, to discern what type of people and parents we were. We decided it was best to call everyone in advance so they would know to expect the call. I watched my wife break down and cry on the phone with one of our children's teachers, ashamed at even having to explain why DFCS would be calling. Janet felt the same way. She wrote, I was so embarrassed having to tell my youngest daughter's teacher I was in the room... I was the room mother for the class, did lots of things with all the kids, and was very involved at school. Can you imagine telling your boss, I'm being investigated for child pornography and child endangerment? Yeah, they wrote. should be calling you sometime this week or next. Well, I don't know. They work for the government. They'll call anytime they want. But don't worry about it. It's not a big deal. This was incredibly embarrassing and increased my fears that this would get out and beyond our control. Oni had told me she would be paying a visit to our house. Our lawyer said she could look anywhere, in our drawers, closets, attic, without a warrant. So much for the whole Fifth Amendment thing, yeah. right? No warrant necessary, or without specifically stating what she was looking for. This is the issue, I, I, I think to some extent, this is the issue of uh, you know getting a government marriage. Because when you get a government marriage, you turn these kids over to uh, to the government. I don't know that that's entirely true. I think it, if you just had the kids without a marriage, uh, if you were uh, they'd single... They'd still think they owned you. Yeah, they'd still act like they owned you. They, right. The government owns your children, people. There is more they coming up. But if you have your kids without the government knowing about it, you don't send them the government school and you don't develop your rolls of film at uh, the, the Eckerd's, then you Certainly might be okay. there are steps one can There's take. more coming up. Hour three's on the way. More to the story on the way.
death. Its shadow followed Paul. Its hot breath had flowed across the back of his neck. Its cold fingers had caressed his throat. As Paul dabbles in the occult world of the Ouija board, a dangerous netherworld opens up to him, and he discovers the frightening possibility that a demonic dimension may be merging with our own. Read Matthew Wayne's debut novel, The Ouija's. To find out more, available now as an ebook at IPIC Publishing, IPICpublishing.com. This is Free Talk Live. Kicking off the third hour of the show, you can take control of the airwaves. Dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. You can join us online, of course, at freetalklive.com where you will find that the features are free. Those other talk show hosts, they want to charge you for accessing their site. Head on over to freetalklive.com and enjoy it on us. Uh, joining you tonight, by the way, it is Ian. And Wayne. And Mark. We've been talking to you, and if you're just tuning in, you haven't heard this yet, uh, but we've been telling you a story from salon.com, which is fairly lengthy, and it's just one of those stories that, you know, I don't generally like doing long, long stuff on Free Talk Live, um, but sometimes you come across a story that's just so important that it needs to be read almost in full. And I've skipped only just a few paragraphs of this uh, so far. So if you've missed it, I got it from our website at freetalklive.com. One of our listeners submitted it there, and that's how I found it, because our website's cool like that. You can submit show prep content to us, and then we might use it on the air. Uh, But uh, it's been a story about, and it's yet another story about, because this is not unusual, a family that took some pictures of their kids, three years old, eight years old. They took photos of them naked. They were out camping at the time, and it was Entirely appropriate. Uh, Frolicking in the woods. Yeah. Uh, but somebody at a local photo developing place decided it wasn't appropriate and called the police. And the police then proceeded to investigate, questioning their friends, their family, their co-workers, uh, anybody associated with them. Essentially just, you know, labeling them as child pornographers without ever having convicted them of anything. And this is something that people who are in this situation have to deal with on a regular basis. And it is horrifying. I can only imagine how horrifying it is. I can only imagine based on the, the different stories that we've read over the years that are similar to this one. This is probably one of the more detailed personal accounts of exactly what somebody was feeling and how their life was going and uh, th- throughout all of this. And, of course, it was incredibly frustrating and difficult uh, to deal with. Lots of emotion, uh, mood swings and anger and depression and fear and and uh, it all kind of uh, came to a head when they f- finally went into, after weeks of not knowing what the hell was going on and wondering if they were going to lose their kids and having all these friends of theirs interviewed, uh, they finally went in to be interviewed by the DCYF or CDCSF or whatever the heck they're called in whichever state this was. Uh, and it was after that that uh, the rest of the story continues. So we'll tell you the rest here and then we'll, uh, we'll take your phone calls as well about whatever you want. Oh, So the bureaucrat who was in charge of the case had informed the family that they would be paying a visit to their home, and they'd be able to look anywhere they darn well pleased, even without a warrant or any of the government's usual paperwork. So before she came, we scoured the house from top to bottom, looking for anything that might arouse her suspicion or interest. On the mantle in our – because even though it's a healthy family that gets along and everything's fine, you don't want to offend the bureaucrat, right? Because they could just steal your kids from you for whatever reason they want to. On the mantle in our living room is a handmade book of photos done by a friend who's a professional photographer. Besides mundane photos of the kids, it contained a few of my wife in the nude when she was several months pregnant with Eliza. Uh, Eliza. We hid that. 
I scanned the book titles on the shelves, never having thought until now of their having questionable contents. On the refrigerator, we had 1950s-style magnets with humorous sketches of a man holding up a mug and saying, Beer, makes you see double and feel singer, uh, single. And another of a man holding up a condom saying, I'm just two people short of a menage a trois. <laughs> they had been given to us years before as gag gifts from a friend. We hid them. We realized we had no idea what could be deemed as unfit. My wife was born in Haiti, and she, be, uh, she had a beaded voodoo flag hanging up in our room. I took it down. Janet and Rusty went through the same nerve-wracking process. These are the, uh, the other couple they were uh, camping with. On the day Oni, this the bureaucrat, was to show up at their house, Janet noticed her neighbor's three-year-old son was playing naked on the swing set in their yard. Janet was so paranoid that Oni would show up right then that I panicked, she said, and went to the neighbor and told her that I was having a visit from DFCS and that could she please remove her naked son from my yard. I was upset that I was put in the situation that I even had to tell her. But probably a good thing to do to keep your neighbors safe from these busybody bureaucrats who have nothing better to do than just ruin people's lives. My wife and I decided, given my anger at the situation, that it was best that I not be there during our home visit. So I drove around the neighborhood and sat in the car until Oni left. In the end, she didn't even search the house. She told my wife the investigation was closed, that the case against us was unsubstantiated, and no further action should be taken. My wife said Oni seemed apologetic, but offered no apology. So typical. It's like when the police come in and they bust your door down looking for somebody that uh, is supposedly in your house, but they've gotten the wrong house. They don't apologize for that stuff either. Although I would say this is far more, I don't know, I don't know which one is more dramatic in, uh, in a family's life. To have the police come in with a, a vicious armed raid on their home in a, in a moment of fear and terror, or this, you know, months-long investigation of slow uh, sort of, torture. Yeah. yeah, it's mental torture. My wife said, uh, so she didn't apologize. The same scenario was played out at Janet at Rusty's house. Despite the fact the case was unsubstantiated, a record of the accusation and ensuing investigation will be kept on file for three years in case we were told by our lawyer other complaints should be filed against us. Our children's records will show the incident until they're 21 years old. Shortly after our case ended, we moved to France and I slipped into a depression. Perhaps it was something akin to the helplessness that victims feel, or perhaps it resulted from suddenly being released from the constant and intense pressures of moving, combined with the fear and anger that we'd been feeling for so long. But I felt violated and exposed and vulnerable. In the mornings, we would awake and prepare our children and then hurry them to school, and on many days when I returned home, instead of getting to work writing, I would go into the bathroom, sit on the toilet, and cry uncontrollably. Can you imagine what, 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 what you know, sort of events caused this to happen to a man. For months, I felt as though I was moving almost unconsciously throughout daily life, numb to the world and yet overtly, uh, overly sensitive to everything. Finally, one day, six months later, unable to bear the sense of helplessness and unjustified shame about what had happened to us, I sat down at the computer and began to write about it. And I began to feel something shift inside me, a subtle but distinct change from a sense of powerlessness to taking back some sort of control over our lives. I wrote in a fury, and when I sent the story to my wife, she sat in her office and cried. I sent it to our friends who had gone through this with us. Although seven months had passed, they still had not come to terms with what had happened. Rusty's boss had been understanding, but they said their children still talked about it in the most unexpected moments. My daughter, my youngest daughter, will say, Why did they think that, Mommy? Why did they think that we were drinking beer and doing things wrong? I set out to answer those kinds of questions myself. As I did, I discovered there are simply no uniform standards for police officers, teachers, child care workers, or photo lab employees to tell lewd and illegal photos from harmless family pictures. 
Following the passage of the Child Abuse Prevention and Treatment Act, established in 1974, states established laws that required police, lawyers, and social and medical personnel to make good-faith reports of perceived child abuse or neglect. It's an important law, having arisen out of the fact that one in ten children brought to the hospital emergency rooms was victim of physical abuse. But the law under which child pornography falls contains no provision for training personnel to identify abuse or pornographic photos. As a result, false and damning allegations have risen by the thousands in the past three decades. In fact, in most states, it's a misdemeanor for law enforcement officers and health providers not to report. And I think that's where a lot of these are coming from, where uh, somebody who's looking at a, a picture of a naked kid in an Eckerd is, is afraid that if they don't say something about it, that they'll get in trouble. Because everybody is living under this climate of fear that uh, the, these government people have created. They've created more and more of a snitch society, yep. which, which is a big problem in the Soviet Union and Nazi Germany. In Georgia, state law defines sexual exploitation of a minor, which includes pornography, as knowingly to employ, use, persuade, induce, entice, or coerce any minor to engage in any sexually explicit conduct for the purpose of producing any visual medium depicting such conduct. Yes, no charges were filed against us, but that somebody could interpret our camping photos as knowingly pornographic and cause the state to investigate us for intending to exploit our children was what was so agonizing. And I have to agree, because I just don't think there's anything pornographic about naked children now i understand that in the mind of a pervert any picture of a child of a child is sexual as you may recall back in 2006 we had a an actual self-admitted pedophile call the show we spent like an hour and a half on the phone with this guy talking to him and he said he wouldn't care if tomorrow all of a sudden all of the pictures of naked children in the world vanished because he'd always have the Sears catalog with the underwear section or the bikini section or something like that. Because, uh, because to somebody like him, you know, a child in any state is attractive. A child in any state could be sexual to uh, you know, somebody who's perverted in that way. Whereas a naked child is, is not necessarily any more sexual than a child with its clothes on. So it all depends on the perspective uh, that, that, that the person has. More coming up here at 800-259-9231. Want your thoughts as well? Uh, you're welcome to uh, dial in here. 800-259-9231. Take control of the airwaves. This is Free Talk Live. The guy over at Salon has a few more things to add in his investigation of what exactly happens out there to families like his. This is Free Talk Live. In the decades to come, hardy adventurers will colonize the solar system, rediscovering freedom and finding vast new wealth. But the government of Earth will seek to extend its power and claim that wealth as its own any way it can. Escape from Terra, Volume 1, the first trade paperback collection of the popular adventure webcomic series, is available now for $12.95 from Big Head Press at BigHeadPress.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves and dial in toll-free. Bring up whatever's on your mind at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. A lot of features on our site, and they're all free, including our webcam. You can watch, listen, and interact because our chat room is built into the same page as the webcam. So you can enjoy all of that for free over at cam.freetalklive.com. That's cam. FreeTalkLive.com. Yeah, the, the, the cam is sponsored, brought to you by MemoryDealers.com. MemoryDealers is your trusted source for all your networking and telecom accessory needs. 
They offer great prices and service, uh, services on used networking equipment, uh, such as Cisco routers and switches. They, uh, of course, offer the world's largest selection of discounted optical transceivers that are 100% compatible with all the major network equipment manufacturers out there at up to 99% off of uh, list price. Check them out at memorydealers.com. We're sharing a story uh, from Salon.com that is lengthy, but I think very important, especially if you're a parent, especially if you're planning on being a parent. Because in today's day and age, in this snitch society, as you put it, Wayne, uh, that uh, the government people out there are incentivizing people through threats, through, uh, through fear, that if they don't report, that they themselves might get in trouble if there's something suspicious going on with a, a family that they might know or some pictures that they've had developed. Or in this case, we're talking about a family that had their uh, photos developed from a camping trip and, and then had their lives torn apart as the Department of Children and Family Services, so-called, uh, just ransacked their lives and interviewed all kinds of friends and family about them possibly being child pornographers, etc., uh, the, the, just the the stress that these people went through is absolutely horrifying. And listening to this as a father, it, it must be just 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 horrible to hear these stories. Well, it's very it's pathetic, but it's just another example of how they want us to fear each other. They want us to be suspicious of each other. They want to keep dividing people in, in so many different ways. And this is just another way they do it. Whether it's oh, you're a terrorist because you believe this or that, or you're a member of this group. It's just it's it, it's it really it's really disgusting. I. I Sometimes I just have to dis, uh, disengage from it because you can only take so much of it before you, you throw your hands up. Yeah, and you feel helpless, too, when you hear stories like this because uh, it was just one action on the part of a photo developer that threw this this chain of events into uh, into effect that literally lasted for months and months of these people's lives and just is terrifying and, and frightening. And Anyway, we'll continue here because he got through it. They ended up not filing the charges after destroying their uh, their lives and accusing them of these things and making their friends and family think who knows what about them. Uh, after going through all of that, there were no charges filed, but he slipped into a depression for six plus months and and then decided to start writing about it and investigating this and finding out what happened to other people that were in a similar situation. And indeed, Dr. Douglas Basharov, a child abuse expert at the Maryland School of Public Affairs and the first director of the U.S. National Center on Child Abuse and Neglect, estimates that out of the nearly three million child abuse reports made every year, seven out of ten are without merit. According to the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, nearly 60% of child abuse or neglect reports are unsubstantiated. Wow. These are incredible numbers. Seven out of ten are without merit. Sixty percent right. are completely unsubstantiated. Mm-hmm. So they're putting a lot of people so through hell this because is, they don't have proper guidelines. Right. You, you, if, if you listen to people that, well, we have to have child protective services because children get abused. And there's no doubt it's true. But the question is, uh, you know, like, how bad does a bureaucracy have to be before you decide, let's get rid of this thing? I would have thought, if I would have just come up with the craziest numbers of a, of a guy who looks at this stuff on a daily basis, I would have said 25% are, mm. you know, these frivolous, spurious kind of uh, reports. I wonder I how many. off by a, a third. I'm uh, a, th- a third. How many of them are, uh, you know, next door neighbors who have a vendetta? How many of them are a former ex-boyfriend uh, or ex-girlfriend who want to get some payback for being shafted or whatever? I mean, lots of, a lot of these reports, I, I'm betting you, are out, made out of malice on the part of somebody who— Or an ex-spouse. Yeah. 
So while there are no separate statistics concerning child pornography, there have been dozens of cases similar to ours documented in recent years. For instance, in Dallas in 2003, the result of a complaint by an Eckerd drugstore employee, a 33-year-old woman was charged with sexual performance of a child, a second-degree felony punishable by 20 years in prison, based on a picture of her breastfeeding her one-year-old son. We talked about it. Although the district attorney dropped the charges in the case, the parents had to fight for weeks to get their two children back from the Dallas County Child Protective Services. At least the author of this article had their children the entire time they were being investigated. Well, the the, the author of this article, well, I don't know. I, I guess his wife is from Haiti. I was just going to say, those people um, were Hispanic, and it's easier for poor ethnic people to be taken mm. advantage of by the system. I realize no one would argue with sincere efforts to protect children from harm. As a parent, I know all too well the real dangers our kids face on a daily basis. And I applaud any efforts to make their world a safer place. But our experience underscores the harm that is being inflicted on children and parents by investigations based on uninformed definitions of pornography or abuse. Dean Tong, who wrote Elusive Innocence, Survival Guide for the Falsely Accused, said, If we get down to the bottom line, there's no clear-cut definition. Dean was, by the way, jailed and spent 10 years and $150,000 to clear himself of abusing his young daughter. Now a forensic consultant in thousands of false accusation cases across the country, Tong told me that even most police officers are not well-trained enough to interpret the law, let alone a photo lab employee. Tong said that when facing the slightest doubt, law enforcement officers err on the side of the child, noting the potential results, saying, I see families stripped and ripped apart in the middle of the night. I called Lieutenant Harry Trawick of the newly consolidated Savannah Chatham Metropolitan Police Department to ask about my own case. He's the former head of the Special Victims Unit, which deals with child pornography. A lot of times, photo lab... Special Victims Unit, the families of the people that have had to deal with this bureaucracy. He says a lot of times the photo lab employees don't know what pornography is, he told me. Although he wouldn't comment on any specific case, Trawick said the department is fairly aggressive in investigating reports of child pornography and that generally our officers are going to act with abundance of caution in favor of protecting the rights of children. He said the department has made a number of important convictions based on reports from photo labs, and he added that he's unaware of any training programs that photo lab employees are required to undergo to identify child pornography and said the employees often call the special victims unit for an explanation of the law. But Helene Vasson, director of the public relations for the Jean Coutu Group, which operates the Rhode Island-based Brooks Eckerd drugstores, told me that the employees had videos we have to view and information sessions, though she wouldn't specify the depth of training involved. As far as Eckerd's is concerned, we do have very strict guidelines, she said. It's policy to report all incidents of child abuse and child pornography. With all respect, they don't have a freaking clue, said Tong. I'm not saying most of these cases are witch hunts, he said. It's just that without strict guidelines for identifying child porn, photo they lab end up being witch hunts. must resort to their subjective discretion and opinion, and that's the root of the problem. If we required the same concern for accuracy in reporting child abuse and other types of crimes, we would see far fewer innocent people falsely persecuted. At the very least, a pair of trained legal eyes, those of either a lawyer or public official with expertise in child pornography, should look at the evidence and make an informed decision before starting this demeaning, costly, and painful process. But why should they do that? It's not like they have any liability for uh, destroying your family and ruining your relationships with your friends and family. It may be hard, hard for them to sleep at night. But I've also heard that there's financial incentives for some of these agencies to, to uh, churn more people through the system. And maybe that's why there's such a high... Uh, like if DCF rate. doesn't have enough cases, they won't get the funding, that kind of thing? Yes, exactly. 
Besharov said also that the current law should be amended to grant immunity to those who in good faith deem a situation not to be child abuse or pornography. That way, those who report cases of abuse or questionable merit simply err on the side, simply to err on the side of mandatory reporting laws might feel less pressure to do so. So meaning that if a uh, photo lab employee doesn't report a, f- a photo and it ended up turning, it, it ended up being actual child pornography, that they wouldn't have some sort of legal liability for that. And that would make them far less under the, you know, the axe, so to speak, or nervous about what might happen to them should they not report something they were supposed to. More coming up. Have you been thinking about starting a website? I'm going to tell you about a great offer from HostGator. HostGator is a worldwide leader for web hosting, and they make it easy to get your own .com domain name. You create your very own website with their free site builder tools and templates. Use the coupon code FTL. That's FTL is in Free Talk Live. And sign up at HostGator.com to receive your first month completely free. Whether you want a personal blog or a complete e-commerce business website, let the experts at HostGator.com host you. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever's on your mind by dialing in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and you can join us online at freetalklive.com, where we have news updates. You get signed up, and we'll keep you in the loop whenever there's something you need to know about Free Talk Live. Just go to news.freetalklive.com to get on the various different options that we have for you. You can receive emails via our email updates. You can uh, follow us on Twitter or Facebook. They're all there for you. Get signed up free over at news.freetalklive.com. And if you're frustrated with the lack of freedom where you live and are tired of the oppressive state intruding into your business and personal life, well, if you knew that thousands of liberty-loving people were all moving to the same place and getting active, would you want to join them? I did. That's why I came here to New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project, and you can too. Go to freestateproject.org to learn more. That's freestateproject.org. One of the reasons why uh, it's a good reason to get active and work toward uh, achieving freedom is because of stories that we're telling you, uh, stories that are like the one we're telling you now about these families that have had their lives torn apart by DFCS, DCYF, DCF, whatever the heck they're called in your state, this group of busybody bureaucrats that goes around based on, in some cases, anonymous tips uh, to to take children away from families on nothing more than accusation or a a naked picture of a three-year-old in a bathtub. Uh, We've heard story after story like this over the years, and it's just absolutely terrifying uh, to somebody that has a family or is considering having a family. So you should be aware of uh, of these things that because they go on. And uh, remember, don't ever buy a film camera and have it developed at uh, a local drugstore if you have or possibly may have a naked photo of one of your children on there. They will deem it as child pornography. It will be reported to the police. And even if you're uh, if even if you're exonerated later on, your life will be turned upside down and inside out as uh, they investigate the so-called crime and uh, just destroy your relationships with. False accusations of child pornography. So Salon.com is where the uh, the report is coming from, and we're about to wrap it up here. It's, uh, it's, it's been fairly lengthy and detailed, but I think stories like this are worthwhile. Uh, the guy that's writing it has uh, been through this. He and his family uh, had some camping photos that they were investigated for, and their children were in- interrogated by these bureaucrats, and they had uh, months of their lives where they were going through all kinds of severe emotions, depression and fear, and they didn't know what was going to happen if they were going to lose their kids or anything because some people have. They have had their kids stolen from them. They've had to hire attorneys and pay thousands or, or hundreds of thousands of dollars in order to get their kids back. And then what happens then? Do, is the government going to pay you back for all of that? Nope, I don't no. know if that's ever happened. 
and they can't they, pay you back for your stress and your nope. and your uh, sleepless nights and they, either. Uh, and and your ch- your children are only children for so long. Mm-hmm. I mean, and and they can't pay you back for that. And they didn't bother apologizing when this was all said and done. When the the, the bureaucrat told that's them that's what that, working for the government means. You never have to say you're sorry. So they make some good suggestions here about the, the the current laws and how they could be modified because a lot of these people that are reporting these so-called episodes of abuse that aren't in point of fact abuse at all are doing it because they're afraid that they themselves will come under scrutiny uh, for not reporting what they believe could possibly be a crime. The suggestion being that maybe they should not be uh, held accountable for uh, for not reporting an instance of uh, of child pornography. But I, I don't think it's likely that those sorts of laws will be changed because our laws, the laws, no, not my laws, but the laws that these government people are writing are moving more towards snitching. They're moving more towards encouraging people and threatening them, not just encouraging them with like a reward or something, but threatening them with a criminal charge of their own if they don't report X, Y, or Z. Oh, if you see a crime being committed and you don't report it, now you're an accessory to it. So even if I mean we're not just talking about with children. I mean if you're just walking down the street and you see something happen and you don't report it to the police, in some places that could be illegal. So I think that's a scary thing to uh, to have happening. But nonetheless, let me just uh, wrap this up here from Salon.com. Uh, so in our case, maybe the responding officer who initially commented that he didn't find the pictures pornographic would have dismissed the case at the drugstore and not reported us to child services. It had been over a year and a half, by the way, since we got the call from uh, Janet. Time has finally granted me some distance from the terrible ordeal, and my wife and I have become lost in the immediate demands of life in another language and culture. We live in a small village of about 400 people, what a French friend jokingly refers to as the bled, uh, the, the Moroccan Arabic word for the boondocks. The surrounding countryside is mostly farmland, and in the searing summer heat, the air smells of rosemary and lavender. The fall brings out the truffle hunters and wild boars. My wife's commute to work is about two minutes up a steep stone-paved street that has been worn shiny by centuries of foot traffic and from her office perch up on the hillside you can look out across cherry orchards covering the valley and hear the shouts of the 30 or so children playing in the village schoolyard below our kids among them so they're okay now and they're out of the horrific jurisdiction of the united states i don't know how much better uh, things are in france but you see it seems like people are a little more open to uh nudity in france in that particular area i would say that that france is probably more progressive i would agree with that in a lot of ways france is really screwy obviously but uh, nonetheless, this isn't the only family-oriented story we have here tonight for you. Of course, you're welcome to share your thoughts, uh, observations at 800-259-9231. But, Mark, you uh, also brought something to the table tonight that is uh, an issue of child endangerment from another perspective. Not uh, pornography this time, but health care. Yeah, yeah I, it's, it's, it's another one of those stories. And this one's from OregonLive.com. Oregon City. A Beaver Creek couple who left their infant daughter's fate to God rather than seek medical treatment for a mass that grew over her left eye Mm. will face charges of first-degree criminal mistreatment. It's a felony. Uh, Prosecutors revealed Thursday during a custody hearing that a grand jury has indicted Timothy and Rebecca Wayland, members of Oregon City's Followers of Christ Church, the Wayland's seven-month-old daughter, Alanya, whatever, was placed in state custody earlier this month after child welfare workers received a tip about the untreated ballooning growth. Doctors said the condition could cause permanent damage or loss of vision. Could. 
The Waylands were indicted within uh, the past few days and probably will be arraigned next week, said Colleen Gilmartin, the uh, district attorney, whatever, handling the case. Under Oregon law, it is a crime for parents to intentionally and knowingly withhold necessary and adequate medical treatment from their children. First-degree criminal mistreatment is a Class C felony punishable by up to five years in prison. But who decides what is necessary medical treatment? It's the government people that get to decide what is appropriate as far as treatment is concerned. And this is, again, another story that is not uncommon where parents who have a differing belief system from the perhaps more mainstream uh, even Wayne you're sitting here with us tonight you uh, you're not one of the big fans of the allopathic medicine system I mean if your kid breaks a leg you're probably going to go to the hospital but uh, but if you're you're treating uh, some sort of malady at home you're more likely to use a natural remedy right exactly because I, I feel it's less harmful and less invasive but there are times where if if, if your child uh, breaks a leg you got to take them to the emergency room but it's it's stuff like that where 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 is the line drawn? Where in your mind is the line drawn as far as what is and what is not appropriate for parents to be uh, as far as their the treatment of their children's conditions? Different people have different belief systems. These people have a very strong belief system that the doctor's system, the allopathic medicine system, the you know mainstream medicine system is is ungodly. That uh, that is against their religious beliefs to seek any form of treatment for their children. And essentially, these are the government bureaucrats saying, well, we don't think that's appropriate, and now you're criminals because of it. Well, there have been cases where, where uh, a parent refused to give a child chemotherapy, for example, for cancer, and, and they were gone after by Child Protective Services as if chemotherapy is the only solution for cancer. Clearly, it's not. Other people have had, uh, there's been a lot of testimonials out there about people who have beaten cancer, and they believe that there have been natural solutions that have been the, the you know, the, that's what worked for them. Yeah, they're, they're, they're lucky or whatever it is. I don't care what it is. That's how they want to live. You know, I would say that the parents who decide for, through prayer alone to uh, heal their child, you know, I, I have a problem with that. I would not legislate against it, but the gene pool will figure that stuff out down <laughs> the road. Sure will. But um, you know, but that's sad though, right? Because then yeah. those kids are suffering, and that's where they're coming from. Like I understand where these uh, the people that are trying to protect the children. I understand where they're coming from. They're looking at these parents and they're saying, "Well, we wouldn't do that to our kids, and so therefore you shouldn't be able to do it to your kids, and so therefore we're going to charge you with a criminal act because of it." And I think that uh, that this this I think it it is very similar to a lot of the stories we've talked about where parents have been a- accused of child abuse from from a sexual perspective. You've got the FLDS, uh, the Fundamentalist Church of uh, Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints, involving themselves in uh, young teenage girls uh, marrying old men, and a lot of people look at that and they say, "Well, that's really weird. I don't think that should happen. Let's make it illegal." But then uh, you get into a lot of real problems because of that, and we should come back and explore these ideas a little further. And of course, take your calls as well. Well, at 800-259-9231, this is Free Talk Live. On Free Talk Live, we talk about investing in gold and silver as a hedge against inflation, investment, and barter currency. We've teamed up with Midas Resources to offer you some great rates on some hand-picked gold and silver pieces. U.S. Eagles, British Sovereigns, 20 Francs, Lakota Nation Silver Rounds, Montana Silver Reserves, and Walking Liberty Halves. Call 877-857-9938 or go to gold.freetalklive.com. The shipping is the same for one as it is for 20, so try to get as many as you can all at once. Gold.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, and you can bring up anything, even in these remaining moments. There is enough time for your call if you make it now. 
800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. Joining you, t- uh, joining you tonight, it is Ian. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. And if you want to help the show out, uh, you can do that by going to promote.freetalklive.com and get a whole list of things you can do to get Free Talk Live on uh, more radio stations around the country, bring more internet listeners on board. Go to promote.freetalklive.com. Do you like to hear your talk radio yell bombastic slogans? Do you like to hear words like bombastic used in a sentence? Can you order Lysander Spooner, Peter Kropotkin, Emma Goldman, and Murray Rothbard by beard length? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then Thinking Liberty is a show for you. Thinking Liberty, the audio broadcast that turns listeners into DHS-certified extremists. Pick up the podcast at thinkingliberty.net. Now, we're talking about uh, some family issues here on the show tonight. Uh, Mark, you brought up a story about some faith-healing parents that are a member of some you know, religious sect. Was it in Oregon? Yeah, they're in Oregon. Um, remember a member of a religious sect in Oregon who believes that uh, Jesus is going to heal their child with some... Horrible uh, a tumor, I think, that's growing in their eyes. It's socket a growth, or um, blood vessels and stuff. It's, yeah, it's it's bad. It's yeah. you know possibly going to blind their child and, and you know really hurt them. Uh, but they believe that Jesus is going to heal their child, and uh, the state government agents are saying, "Well, we don't care what you believe. Uh, we believe that uh, you're hurting your children, and so therefore we're going to take them from you and charge you with a criminal act, a felony criminal act, felony." And it's crazy. Um, the Wylands and their church reject medical. Care in favor of faith healing, anointing with oil, laying on of hands, prayer, and fasting. The parents testified at juvenile court uh, hearing last week that they never considered even getting medical attention for Alanya. Elena, whatever. According to uh, court documents, Rebecca Weiland appointed Elena with uh, oil. Uh, she anointed Elena with oil each time she changed the girl's diaper and wiped away the yellow discharge that seeped daily from the baby's left eye. Thursday's hearing was procedural and reached no resolution. The Wyland's attorney, which it wouldn't, right? (laughs) The Wyland's attorney, John Nadig and uh, whatever, these people offered a plan that they said would guarantee the child would receive medical care recommended by doctors with options such as regular visits from state workers, having having a trusted individual occupy the Wyland home and monitoring the family with Skype on internet program used for video conferencing. Um, attorney, whatever, who represents Elena, also urged that the girl be sent home. Clancy, however, was skeptical the prosecutors for child protection authorities would accept any plan to quickly reunite the family. There's no plan, even if we uh, came up with um, 100 pages of stuff that is going to be satisfactory, he said. To the parents. Yeah. Uh, Clackamas County Circuit Judge Douglas Van Dyke op- uh, noted the doctors treating Elena haven't reviewed the Wyland's plan and said, he wouldn't approve the procedure without hearing from the physicians. But uh, Van Dyke also said Elena sh- uh, should be returned home once the plan is in place. That makes the community feel secure about the care. And he told a plan that was in place that makes the com- community feel secure about the care. He told the attorneys to submit their proposals to him next week. So justice, these are a bunch of different turning people. So quickly. So these are a bunch of different people uh, trying to decide exactly how to control these people, right? That that's what they're arguing about yes. is how we should uh, force these people into compliance of some yeah, sort. Yeah, basically how it is that uh, you know at, at this point these parents are like, okay, okay, you we'll, we'll do whatever it takes. Just let us have our baby daughter back. Mm-hmm. And the court's like, you know, no, you've made mistakes. Now you are unfit parents. We must decide, you know, to have people watching over you to make sure that you do everything right. There's no warning here, people. The issue here really comes down to, and it's it's been discussed again and again, uh, the art the you know the the art of allowing others to be free. 
uh, and make decisions for themselves and their families that you yourself would not make for yours. And I understand that saying something like that or accepting an idea like that can be very difficult because it means that, well, you don't get to control other people. And a lot of people have their have it in their minds that they know what's best as far as how to raise a family and how to uh, protect children and take care of kids. Lots of people feel that way. A lot of people, exactly. And so people like that end up getting into positions like this where they can uh, try to foist their belief systems on others and you end up getting conflicts where people have their lives torn apart. And I just think it's so tragic. Now, look, I think that these you know people should probably get some treatment for their kids. But I'm not going to steal their child from them over this. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to do that because if if you can't allow other people to be free, then you yourself will never be free, and uh, and it can be it can be difficult to just let people make choices that uh, that you disagree with. It can, that's really the you know the thing that people need to get over is yeah. is just focus on your life, focus on what you can influence, focus on your friends and your family and the people that you know and that you can touch and that uh, that you can talk to and perhaps persuade. Use persuasion on these folks. Use incentives on these folks. But don't use the, the threat of violence because it's, eventually somebody's going to decide that what you do with your kids is inappropriate. Right. It's the slippery slope. And, uh, you know, when the, the way Laura and I decided to, uh, to raise Jack is going to be different than other people the way they decide, decide to raise theirs. I agree that these people are acting foolishly. I think that they should probably, you know, when you're dealing with something like this, you should use med- um, sort of what the medical establishment has to offer some kind of growth that's growing out of control. They don't think that. However, I understand if I don't support their right to make that choice for their child, somebody's going to come along and say, well, you know, you're not you're not raising Jack right. You haven't gotten vaccinations. That makes you a terrible person. Too much video well, games. I haven't. Mm. Uh, we haven't fed Jack any candy or soda pop or, or even juice. Mm. We don't do any of these things because, well, we don't think it's the right way to feed a child. Sounds like he's going to have a pretty strong immune system without all that sugar. Right. So what what do I get to say about your kid, people? I get to say that you're raising your kid wrong. Hey, you shouldn't be buying those fr- Frosted Flakes. You should be out buying Corn Pops right? You know, or, whatever. or whatever. And you know, there, there's nothing wrong with a group of people coming together with focused intention, namely prayer or meditation, whatever, uh, positive thoughts to help people. That's That's been shown to help others. Yeah, it's been shown to do nothing also. It depends on what studies yeah. you look at. Well, that's true. But I, I believe that human beings are, are more capable than, than a lot of people realize there. However... They should do more, but I'm not going to impose my belief on them. And they have to let them be free. And like I said, the gene pool will figure it out. Well, that much is definitely true, of course. But making a statement like that seems callous, though, Wayne. Like, well, oh, the gene pool will figure it out. Well, like, you don't care about this little girl that is uh, is clearly in But a- you know what? These people that seek to control others, a lot of times it's because they don't want to deal with their own life. They don't want to deal with their own issues and their own discrepancies and, and, and uh, deficiencies. And, and that's, that's, that's the tragic thing for them. Uh, to control others is is um, you end up the one being controlled. Yeah, you know, that's uh, what Mary I care Rewards deeply says. about this little girl and and what kind of life she lives in the future. And I care about what level of freedom she's able to able to have when she decides to have children. That's what I care about. Yes, I understand. Some parents are not going to treat their kids the way that you think they should treat them. And yes, some kids are going to die in this world. And mm-hmm. all the laws in the world aren't going to prevent that. It's no, sad. Certainly. I don't want it to happen, but you know, it's just it's just the way it goes. I, I, it's unfortunate. I think what's more important than um, is that the way people get to live, not the way they die. Yeah, just because somebody is doing uh, something that you disagree with with their children or their family life, 
uh, doesn't mean that you're justified in forcing your way upon them. If you look around the world, there are a lot of different belief systems. There are a lot of different things that happen. We were talking about male circumcision uh, the other night. Of course, female circumcision came into that conversation, which is far more horrific and uh, and dangerous and and just awful. Um, And those things go on around the world. Yet I would never advocate sending an invading force into whatever African tribe or whoever it is that's still out there doing uh, female circumcision on a regular basis to in some way uh, steal their children from them or, or force, uh, force my particular belief set upon them in the same way that I would not uh, send a, a crew of men with guns into the FLDS compound who are marrying off their daughters at age 12 to 50-year-old men. As disagreeable as that uh, might be, it's none of my darn business. Leave those people alone. And if you don't agree with what they're doing, why can't you just be more creative? Think up some more creative ways to deal with that situation. Perhaps if someone who's of the FLDS cult comes in to purchase, uh, you know, they're pretty obvious. They look, uh, they dress in a certain manner. Uh, if somebody from the FLDS cult comes in to uh, do business with you, you could simply say, no, I don't want to do business with you because. I disagree with what you're doing. I don't like the way you raise your kids. The problem is, is the government uh, essentially doesn't allow you to do that these days. I believe in a world where you are allowed to make these decisions and you are allowed to hold people accountable with sort of societal pressures. I think that that's a better, more humane way to deal with this. Yeah. No, you could say that they're just going to turn more inward into their cult. Uh, if you do that, like these faith-healing parents, if, if they have non-faith-healing friends who start to ostracize them because of what they're doing to their kids, that they could just turn deeper into the cult to try to get their uh, support. And maybe that's true. Yeah, and if their daughter dies, maybe they'll decide that this is a stupid, stinking cult. I don't know. Uh, but they, they, all these, it's a big uh, price they, tag. Right. Yes, it absolutely it is. is. It's, you, you can put all these variables in place. It's it's true, but who you know who knows? I think what's more important is people being able to decide how they're going to raise their kids. Because if you don't stand up for the people that do the faith healing on their their daughter, nobody's going to be there to stand up for you when it's whatever you want to do. When I want to come after you for feeding your kid candy bars mm, or That's pizza right. or something like that, or or trans fats. All right, so we're out of time here tonight, gents. Thanks. It's been Ian with you and Wayne and Mark. See you tomorrow night online. In the meantime, at freetalklive.com. The following edition of the Edgington Post interview series is brought to you by the Free Talk Live AMP program. Become a Free Talk Live amplifier today for as little as three bucks a month. Get perks and help us get on more radio stations and more internet connections at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. And here's Mark. All right. It's another edition of the Edgington Post. And today I have with me uh, Nina Paley. Uh, Nina, are you there? Yes, I am. Very, very good. Okay, so uh, Nina, you, uh, you, were, you and I were introduced by a, a man named Stefan Kinsella, and he's a big IP guy. And there's been a lot of internet uh, property, or not, excuse me, internet property, but intellectual property uh, ideas flying around Free Talk Live. And, um, you know, he, he, he thought that it'd be a good interview. And I, 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 I tend to agree. There's a couple of things that uh, you're sort of known for. You've got a movie that's called uh, Sita Sings the Blues. Tell us a little bit about the movie. Beat the Sings the Blues is a personal musical animated interpretation of the Indian epic Ramayana. So is it uh, like um, Eastern Indian or, t- or an American Indian, right? Eastern, Eastern. Asian Indian, okay, yes, great. South Asia. 
So uh, actually, South Asia, Southeast Asia, it's actually a huge part of the world has the Ramayana tradition. And you're kind of on uh, Stefan's side on this one, where you don't believe in the ideas of intellectual property. So tell me how that's kind of worked out with your uh, Sita Sings the Blues. Uh, well, um, I don't believe in intellectual property. I think that uh, culture is not ownable. It's, as Kinsella points out, non-rivalrous. Um, it's not like physical property, which has boundaries. If you, uh, you know, if if you steal my bicycle, I have to take the bus. But if I just copy it, there's one for each of us. There's there's no limit to uh, how many people can watch a movie or sing a song or something like that. So calling it property is actually kind of bizarre. And uh, you know, the the founding fathers never called it property when they were creating uh, copyright. It, they knew it was a monopoly. It was a limited monopoly, and they never called it property. Uh, that was that sort of a, a spin on it that's been added in the 20th century. Yeah, I, I, I can see where people get the confusion, but um, you know, be that as it may, it, it certainly doesn't act like property acts. Not in the re- not real world property. So it's just not property. It's, <laughs> it's like a it's just a spin sort of thing. I mean, the the large I guess the people interested in those monopolies came up with a great meme. Um, and people have just sort of accepted it, but it's it's never been property. It's not property. Now, um, you, so you've got a movie out, and how? Um, I mean, you know, how are you going about making money in your your movie if you're not collect, uh, collecting the intellectual, you know, the the sort of the monopoly privilege on it? Well, the movie is doing much better because there's no monopoly privilege on it. Uh, the, that whole monopoly privilege, the whole um, you know, charging rent for every use of something that should be free acts as a disincentive for people to actually watch the movie. So I've removed that. And I actually have a, a quite an enormous competitive advantage for a small independent filmmaker. And uh, one result, I guess the combination of the film being free to share and reproduce and also uh, being good is that uh, millions of people can see it rather than just a few thousand, which is what would have happened um, if I had kept it enclosed. And the way I make money is there's voluntary payments. Um, a lot of people are happy to pay for things, uh, not forced to pay for them. A lot of people see the film first, and then they say, "I would like to send her a donation." You know, I would have I would have paid ten bucks for that. So here you go, here's ten bucks. Uh, I sell uh, rivalrous goods that are related to the film. So I, there's a store. If you go to seethesingstheblues.com and click store, that's S I T A singstheblue.com. Yes, SITA, um, and that'll take you to you know T-shirts and pins and DVDs. I actually consider DVDs and CDs uh, ancillary merchandise because what I'm selling is not the content. I'm selling a container. So a DVD is simply a container of the film. It's it's a convenient package. Sure. And actually, my my DVDs say pre-downloaded DVD. So it's just you know it's a nice printed package. It's something physical you can have and. It saves you the time of downloading the thing. Well, I I can tell you at my house, um, we can't we couldn't watch a movie on a regular television set uh, just because of our internet connection. And I, I imagine a great deal of America is in that boat um, that they can't do that. So you know, I, I, most people for whatever reason their their TV isn't hooked up to their internet connection. So I couldn't watch this on a regular television. I could watch it on my little laptop, but I wouldn't find that uh, interesting or entertaining. Um, and not not near so as what uh, watching it on my television set. So. You know, I mean that. Yes, that 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 it provides me with a system for watching it that I wouldn't otherwise have. 
Yeah, and then other revenue streams, they're smaller. Um, it does actually have theatrical distribution, like, you know, art house distribution. Mm-hmm. So some tiny amount of that comes to me. Um, what I mean, is the, just out of curiosity, what is the kind of uh, revenue that you get off of, uh, you know, having some film played in some tiny art houses? What, what, how does that work? Well, you get... You, you don't have to tell me get, dollars and cents, just percentages, I guess is what I'm well, asking. Well, yeah, 30, 30% um, of what my distributor gets is what I get. And okay. that's, you know, some percent of what the cinema gets. The ticket sales. But then there's expenses. And uh, the real issue is accounting. It's an accounting nightmare. Huh. And... Um, it doesn't add up to that much money. I mean, most actually art cinemas are nonprofits and they, uh, you know, they're donor supported on top of everything else. Yeah. Um, so it's, uh, it's sort of a hybrid gift. Economy. Most of the art gift cinemas I've been to have not exactly been packed. So I mean, yeah. understand. Well, I've, never, I've had some good, Cephas had some good runs and some, some very good audiences. Um, but anyway, the accounting of it, uh, I don't actually know how much um, I'm owed from uh, the last year of theatrical releases. I'm sure it's less than $10,000. You know, my guess is probably between five dollars and $10,000 is what my share of that's going to be. The gross being much, much higher. Mm-hmm. But remember that it just gets split and re-split. And yeah, re-split. sure. <laughs> um, uh, but I don't know yet because um, the accounting is just such a, such a huge time-consuming thing and i'm not i'm not in any rush i mean i'm they'll they'll pay me when they have a chance to do the accounting and you're doing work now is whatever it is you're doing you're doing some kind of thing to generate money at this point too so you know whatever it is that you've generated in the past is certainly great and it's going to be beneficial but you're doing something now too i would assume right well no i don't have a day job (laughs) i actually um to be honest so far i have gotten more than one hundred thirty-five thousand dollars from releasing my film for free. Wow. Wow. That's pretty yeah, good. It, it works. Um, oh, there's, and that doesn't even include uh, speaking gigs. So like the more people see my movie, the more famous I become. And then I can actually command reasonable fees as a speaker. Uh, and of Incredible. course, if I did want to do freelance work, I could charge much more. But, um, you know, most of that income has been donations and purchases from the store. And uh, let's see, awards. There's some awards. Um, a lot of venues have a budget for screening movies, um, and like I say, they're arts organizations for mm-hmm. the most part. And I don't strong arm them. It's just I just say if you have the budget, you can make a voluntary payment rather than a forced payment. And they do because they're arts organizations. You know, it's it's yeah, that's what they're the whole goal is, right? Work. Yeah, um, and oh, and some people hold screenings and. Uh, they don't have to share any money, but there's guidelines on the website that say if you like to, if you would like to share money with me, then here's suggested guidelines. And sometimes people send money. So you're proving every day that uh, one doesn't have to, to 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 claim the monopoly privilege over the one's creative works in order to make to do fine, um, you know, with that creative work. That is so true. And one funny thing is. Um, it's not, you know, you don't need a monopoly to discourage competition. Uh, the fact is that if the DVDs, if the stuff is available and accessible and of reasonably high quality and reasonably priced, there's no incentive for anyone else to compete with that. So you don't actually need an artificial monopoly. Name, I mean, you're name welcome. It, say, that, say that again. If, um, repeat what you just said of, high, of sufficiently okay, high quality. Oh, sorry. If if something is available, accessible, reasonably priced, and reasonably good quality, there's no incentive to compete with it. So you, 
are, you know, anybody listening to this can distribute Sita Sings the Blues. You, you know, go for it. Manufacture DVDs, market them, sell them, go crazy. You do have to pay uh, music royalties to the corporate extortionists that control the old songs in it. Um, but you can still do that, and you can compete with me. And yet, nobody's doing this. As far as I know, nobody, there's not, you know, all, all these uh, unendorsed DVDs competing with the endorsed ones. And the reason is there's, why would anyone do that? They would just lose money. It's, it's just dumb to get in a market that is already being served. And if somebody sees that there's a market that's not being served, if somebody can recognize, oh, there's all these people that would be buying these DVDs and these other people aren't reaching them, then they deserve to make money with that. You know, it, it makes perfectly good sense. Now, um, another thing here that uh, Stefan Kinsella mentioned is your absolutely brilliant creator-endorsed idea. And apparently this is some this creator-endorsed is uh, some kind of seal similar to the copyright seal. Explain it to me. Okay, the, the creator-endorsed mark was actually created by Carl Fogel of questioncopyright.org. Okay. Uh, he initially called it the author-endorsed mark, but we expanded it to creator-endorsed mark so it could just apply to anything, music or films or anything. That's a big leap. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> and... Uh, uh, what it does is it distinguishes uh, distributions of a work that are endorsed by the artist, which usually means um, a contract's been negotiated, and in my case, it means that I'm getting some money for the most part. Sometimes I endorse things for other reasons, but usually it means that some of the money's being channeled to me. Yeah, well, that makes sense. And sense. That, yeah, and that just lets uh, a purchaser know that the artist endorses this thing. I mean, a lot of people buy, a lot of people support copyright misguidedly because they just believe that their money is, if they're paying for something, that that money is going to reach the artist. Uh, the Brady Bunch is true. Yeah, the Brady Bunch is a good example, right? Like this is the, uh, the, you know, the, the 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 television show where for whatever reason it stopped just before. I think this is the this is the show that's just before. Hollywood actors managed to negotiate uh, royalties on their shows or something like that. So uh, these people who are so much ingrained in people's minds, uh, at least in my generation, uh, that they're not actually receiving anything when Nickelodeon or uh, USA or TV Land or whatever plays all these old uh, uh, Brady Bunch shows. So this is a sort of uh, a good example of where people might think that these people are getting paid because their show is being played, but they're not. Well, not really, because okay. um, the fact is that there are lots and lots of people that do have, uh, you know, compulsory royalties owed to them, but it just turns out to be really, really small. Um, most films, especially independent films, if you buy a, a DVD in a store, that, film's, that money's never going to reach the filmmaker, never, because there are so many expenses that the distributor has before um, it'll get to the filmmaker. The music industry is famous for this, you know, musicians... Yeah you know, have a million dollar record deal and they don't get any money from that because of all the expenses taken by the middleman. So the middlemen are saying that copyright is essential so that artists get paid. Um, but really it's essential so that middlemen get paid. And meanwhile, you have this audience that's buying the stuff, thinking they're supporting artists when they're just supporting, uh, the middlemen. And by the way, I'm, I'm very pro middleman. Like I, I like middlemen don't have to behave this way. And I'm very happy with uh, the distributors and other middlemen that work with Sita Sings the Blues. But that's because they don't have a monopoly on it. Um, sure, anybody and, and that, anybody when provided with a monopoly will uh, suddenly begin uh, to act like a monopolist. 
so uh, that's that's just like an amazing thing that I've discovered from not having a monopoly on the film to offer them is that none of the distributors have a monopoly. And uh, that means that I appreciate everything they're doing. And if any of them slack off, it's no problem because somebody will do it. Can, yeah, somebody will do it. So that's great. But anyway, with, with conventional copyright, there is a monopoly on it. And that gives uh, the, you know, the middlemen a wonderful way to suck up all the stuff, all the money. And, Meanwhile, the hapless consumers really believe that they're supporting artists through this, and they're not. Hmm. But the creator endorsed Mark lets them know that, yes, you know, the artist is getting some percentage. And there are variations on the creator endorsed Mark that actually specify what percent is reaching the artist. So questioncopyright.org has a DVD of Sita Sings the Blues that they published, and 50% they share with me. So questioncopyright.org, and uh, people can go in there and find out more about the creator-endorsed creator mark. Yes. Uh, you know, I, I've read about it here, and it, it, it seems interesting. It seems like an idea that uh, is, is, is better than some I've seen. So, I, 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 you know, who knows how things will work in the, uh, the, the free marketplace, but I think we all have to be moving that direction. Yeah, well, another great thing about the creator-endorsed mark is um, it actually shows that the artist – uh, voluntarily and intentionally entered into an agreement with the distributor. And that solves a lot of problems, such as, uh, you know, about like Jackson Brown suing the Republicans. There was some Republican campaign ad, I think a John McCain ad, that used a, a Jackson Brown song. And they licensed the Lawyers song. in Love? No, they, no that I probably would have been was. Edwards, right? But, but they, um, you know, they paid money for the song, just like, you know, the song was available. Yeah. And they paid for it. It was fine. But he was—he actually sued them for copyright infringement because he didn't approve of them, and that's a separate issue. Yeah. Um, and people are so used to the mere use of something implying the artist's endorsement. What else uh, would it mean? I mean, it's it, it sort, it's sort of—I mean, like one can understand why someone would make that uh, that leap in logic. And the problem is, is that artists have allowed themselves to become so separated from their work, um, and maybe it's—I I guess it's not have allowed. Um, they the, the the system was designed in that fashion, but I think that uh, now in the world of uh, communications, the way it is, that you don't have to have that anymore. Maybe one can make the argument that fifty years ago we absolutely had to have a music industry in the fashion that it was and that rock and roll would have never existed and the world would have uh, of course been in- inexorably altered as a result or or whatever it is they claim but they you you can't make the claim any longer that bands can't make a living without music industry companies it's just not true sure well and what, what we've needed is people have always sought wide distribution for cultural works and the music industry the recording industry uh, provided that distribution. Mm-hmm. There was no alternative to it, and it was expensive. Printing presses expensive. Um, now we have the Internet, and the cost is going down to zero. Uh, it's a different world. <laughs> it is. It, it, things have been changing all the time. So, um, uh, Nina, I appreciate you uh, taking time with, um, with me. Plug, your, plug the websites again, just so everybody uh, has it, in the case they didn't have a piece of paper or whatever, um, so that's okay, fresh in their well, mind. Y- uh, there's NinaPaley.com, N-I-N-A-P-A-L-E-Y.com. The film's website is SitaSingsTheBlues.com. And QuestionCopyright.org, the nonprofit, uh, <laughs> well, it is what it says it is, QuestionCopyright.org. Also, I have a new comic strip called Mimi and Eunice, and you can find that at MimiAndEunice.com, M-I-M-I-A-N-D-E-U-N-I-C-E.com. Spell it for me again, Mimi? What? Mimi and Eunice, spell it again for me. 
M I M I. Uh huh. A N D. Okay. E U N I C E. Okay. No, Eunice. That's my new comic strip. Excellent. So is it animated or it's a strip then uh, put out? How often do you put it out? It's a strip, but actually, um, one of the characters, I did a. I did an animated one-minute cartoon for the Electronic Frontier Foundation. Yep, it's, it's Mimi, Oswald the Rabbit. Mimi's, Mimi's in that, <laughs> uh, but it's, a, it's just a comic strip, and they are, they're done whenever I feel like it. I'm busy uploading a whole collection of them right now. Yes, I, I, saw, the, I saw the comic, uh, the, the, the animated thing. It was pretty cool. Thanks. Excellent. Thank you very much. Thank you. Nina Paley. MemoryDealers.com offers the world's largest selection of discounted optical transceivers, including SFPs, GBICs, XFPs, Zimpaks, and X2s, that are 100% compatible with all major networking equipment manufacturers, including Cisco, 3Com, Foundry, Alcatel, and HP, at up to 99% off list price. Memory Dealers can also offer customized solutions for your transceiver requirements, including private labeling. Memory Dealers is your trusted source for all your networking and telecom accessory needs, in stock and ready to ship via overnight delivery. MemoryDealers.com.